Hello, Chop Nation, and welcome to another episode of the Chopcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp. Our mission is simple, to talk about the video games we're playing, to discuss all issues surrounding gaming, and to cultivate a community of like-minded people who want to discuss gaming with each other. When you think about the 1990s, it's hard to imagine that it was over 23 years ago. It truly sometimes feels like just yesterday that rock and roll was on the radio, movie and video game rental stores were nearby everywhere, and the world was relatively prosperous. The 90s were full of stunning technological advancements that both wowed us and paved the way for what we enjoy today. One of the brilliant showcases of that is video gaming. From the SNES and Genesis era to the imminent release of the PS2 and Xbox, video gaming advanced at a record pace. Many games during that era ended up becoming monumentally important for all of the games that we now enjoy today. But which game from the 90s was the most influential? That's what we are here to discuss today. We will also be reading the answers that you left over at the Sword Chomp Instagram. Afterwards, we will of course be discussing games such as Zell, Mothman 1966, Freshly Frosted, Power Wash Simulator, Aperture Desk Job, and the Steam Deck. We'll round out the show with the social media polls that you voted on over at the Sword Chomp Instagram. So let's hop on over to the intros. First, I am joined by a man who swears up and down that the jambalaya that he brought to the Christian cookout in 2006 was not made with kangaroo foreskin. It was not. So let's drop the case, all right? Mormons, please welcome a man who has never cooked with kangaroo foreskin, Rich Meister. Rich, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. And you cook with the, the foreskin cooks down. I wasn't saying there was never a foreskin in play. It mm. cooks down. No one's eating foreskin. It's like cooking with alcohol. Right. It just melts and disappears, right? Yeah. Yeah. They call That's... it the schmegma effect. I love the... the... Not even gonna... Not even gonna... Oh, you know what? Sorry. I'm gonna... Yes, and. texture. Yeah. Don't be sorry. Yeah. Don't it be adds sorry. It adds flavor. It adds... A little bit of zest. Yeah, just and crumble what, some over a good salad. And that's what truffle butter is. Mmm. Who doesn't like a nice dollop of truffle butter? I don't like that sentence. I know. I, I specifically chose dollop with that to make sure yeah. it was as gross sounding as possible. Yeah, it sounded unpleasant. That's right. But no, how are you doing for real, 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 real? Uh, I'm good, man. Uh, relaxing, chillaxing, vibing. Uh, Conniving. Yeah, you know, you know how it be. You know how it be. <laughs> That's what I thought you were going for. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. You know, playing, playing text adventures, doing drugs, living, living the life. What drugs are you doing nowadays? Um, Aspirin? Yeah, aspirin, Metamucil, uh, Metamucil, codeine, uh, penicillin. <laughs> Half of those are not like the other. Oh, and LSD. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That ties almost, it all together. I almost nicely. forgot. I almost forgot. 
Uh, is huffing paint a drug? <laughs> Only if you really want it to be rich. Not addicted, I just like how it smells. Yeah. No, um, well, I'm glad you're here huffing paint. Well, I mean, you're not now huffing paint, but... Yeah, this is not a visual... There's no visual medium here. You don't... For all they know, it's <laughs> exactly what's happening. Just a... Yeah. I hope that came through. <laughs> oh, I don't know how it didn't come through, Rich, is the real question. As Josh can attest. Jizz! But... Jizz! 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 It's fucking contagious. But speaking of... I am also joined by a person who will sometimes descend into their own mind as they remember a time when their parents were knocking boots while hearing the lyrics, Tell me why he ain't nothing but a heartache. Tell me why ain't nothing but a mistake. Tell me why I never want to hear you say. I want it that way. Please welcome former teen heartthrob and fan of earplugs, Josh Fowler. Josh, how you doing today? Josh, can you hear us? You can fix Are the that earplugs in post, still right? in. Are the earplugs still in, Josh? Please pull them out. Hmm. Hmm. Sorry, I know, I know. You have to, you have to integrate with the real world now. Is it over? Yeah, I heard someone say okay. something about pulling out. It's only just beginning. <laughs> I almost made a joke there, but then I realized I was talking about your parents, so I wasn't gonna make a joke about Bite the that. pillow, Josh. <sighs> just a shame they didn't pull out that other time. <laughs> now you have to pay. Could have avoided all of this. <laughs> Who who do we be podcasting with then? You don't care, right? Not my problem at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing would be your problem. But then you wouldn't have jo enjoyed that short-lived career as a teen heartthrob. It How is was true, that, by the way. It is true. Um, short-lived feels generous. <laughs> It was one hot summer night in 1997. Wait, you weren't a teen then. Sorry. It was one hot summer night in 2002. That's better. Okay. I mean, we were such a sexual nation back then. Shrek was still new. <laughs> uh, there was, you know, love was in the air. Donkeys mm -hmm. could fuck dragons. Anything was possible. Exactly. This is, this is the time before the love guru ruined love for America. We were still hopeful that uh, Pepsi Man would get a sequel. The world was our oyster. Mm -hmm. You know, all of two people are like, the love guru? What the hell is that? <laughs> we just got to reference uh, Shrek, the love guru, and Pepsi Man all in one bit. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. I forgot the love guru existed, actually. And most, I'm sure Mike Myers would prefer you did that. Mm -hmm. And anybody watch Mike Myers' new Netflix thing? I hear it's bad. Uh, I, no. I tried watch it. I watched the first episode of the Pentaveret, and uh, I was like, "Yeah, this this is like humor for the '90s." It yeah, just, like it he's doesn't... just doing the same thing. Unfortunately, yeah, he's 
it's like it's his same stuff and it just doesn't carry to 2022 unfortunately like which doesn't even make sense because most of his stuff still holds up fairly well but so i married an axe murderer is great but it also is like a very 90s movie yeah like a lot of it holds up but like you can't do that now identically like yeah no. it's like I, it's like you can watch austin powers and enjoy it for what it is because you're like viewing it through the lens of the time in which it was created yeah but if they made austin powers and gold member today you'd be like this is not good <laughs> that's true unfortunately like he he doesn't have that ability like i think not to get too much on my soapbox here but i think a lot of artists not just actors but artists in general do this where they really get into their niche or their niche and then they don't continue to take in media uh to see kind of so like what's modern. Yeah. yeah so they kind of stay in their own little bubble creating what they've always created and they don't quite modernize um if that's what they're looking to do and unfortunately their work won't always stand the test of time because what's popular or what's in i guess changes and if you don't stay acquainted with that you don't continue to learn then you get phased out and that's kind of what what i'm thinking is probably happened with him is he's probably stayed in with his own comedic bubble and not modernized not really taken in a lot of new media and as such his comedy is kind of forever stuck in the but it feels even more jarring it, it's kind of understandable, given he had to go into hiding after Kanye West destroyed his career by accident. <laughs> well, yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. But, like, well, that's what I was going to kind of say. It feels even more jarring, because it's not just, like, Mike Myers keeps trying to peddle the same thing. It's like, Mike Myers disappeared for 25 years, and then came back like he just walked off the set yeah, of yeah. fucking Austin Powers. I thought he disappeared to take care of his family for a while. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't know. Do not I know. thought he took an extended I break. I think you're thinking of Rick Moranis. No, I thought Mike Myers did that too. Like, I think And that might be possible. I genuinely don't know. I don't I didn't mean it in like uh where the fuck was he? I'm concerned about it. I mean like he hasn't made anything like significant in twenty five years. And then he just reappears and it's like, oh, he's doing the same thing. Yeah. That's you know that's a good point. I I don't know, but that's 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 irrelevant because we're here to talk about video games. But it's just kind of funny because it's we're, all we're here to talk about other relics from the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Touche, uh. touche. But um, Josh, thanks for being here. Um, glad you took the earplugs out. And I am Shay Layton, um, the host for this episode. And I have a very small announcement. The next two weeks, I will be on vacation as I am finally able to return across the pond to visit my family for the first time in over three years. So I will be doing a few small things behind the scenes, like continuing to operate the Instagram and helping with the Patreon. But I will be absent on the show for the next two weeks. Um, Rich will be taking my place as host and we will have our good friend and part-time contributor Ray stepping in to host while Your I'm gone. Your ghost host. Ghost. Thank you. Yes. That's right. Your ghost host. Now it's time to talk about the most influential game of the 90s. All right, Austin Powers Oh Behave for the Game Boy Color. Is that a real game? 
Yeah, but it came out in 2000. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So here's how it's going to work. We've done this for, um, I think we did this for the 2000s. And so it's going to work similarly yes. as to that. Uh, basically, instead of giving ourselves one, we're going to give each each of us two. Um, we could do one each, but the thing is the conversation is kind of short-lived. Um, It'll just peter well, out too quick. It, I think so. But if the conversation goes really long for <laughs> the... Th- for the one that each one of us, cho- <laughs> the one that each one of us chooses, we'll just say one. That's fine. We can change that on the fly. We also have some listener comments as well, so um, we'll get kind of a variety of games in here for us to talk about. So, yes, dear. Um, yeah. So, Rich, uh, you know, you always have the the pleasure of kind of starting these conversations off. I'm going to let you take the first stab at what you think is the most influential game of the 1990s. And may I recommend, because this may be the only one you get to mention due to length of conversation, that I would recommend you start with your strongest one. Yeah, um, that's a good tip. Um, I think kind of undeniably, when you look at the way genres went and like what is popular in gaming and prevalent and you still see a ton of, the answer is Doom. Like, mm. undeniably, it is Doom. Um, it created the blueprint for the first-person shooter. Um, like, Wolfenstein 3D also plays a role in that. And But Doom is timeless. It's still fun. It is the most distilled, most basic form of the first-person shooter. But yeah. you don't have your golden eyes and your Call of Duties. Doom walked so all of those things could run. Like, it is the groundwork and the formula for what is, I think, the... In some form, there's so many different versions of FPS at this point. Yeah. But it is the most basic blueprint for the most ubiquitous game in the world. Like, the game format of first-person shooter. Yeah, Yeah, for all of the 90s, first-person shooters were Doom-likes, or Doom clones. Yeah. Mm. Like, that was... Marathon. Yeah, um, they were all like Doom clones. Yeah, there's a, a ton of that, and yeah. that is where it all starts with uh, John Carmack and John Romero. Yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of the other conventions, it's a first-person shooter, but there's no vertical layer to it. This was this was they kind of popularized the idea of a first-person shooter more than an actual first-person shooter. Yeah, um, no, it it is the most the bare bones version of that. There's no, there's no ceiling in doom. Yeah. Uh, but that again, like I said, it can walk. So the others could run like you don't have those things without doom existing first. It just, Oh yeah. Yeah. Doesn't happen. Not only that, but like granted, it wasn't the first one to do this, but it had kind of like a lot of ultra violence, which I think has been very influential in a lot of modern games today. Like, You've seen some, like, in, in the past 30 years, we've seen some games try and take that to the limit as to push is how far they can take that violence. Um, it also has influenced, um, I, w- I wouldn't say it's the most influential, per se, in this regard, but it is influential. Uh, kind of the horror and the monstrous creatures that you could create and develop um, definitely influence kind of creativity in that regard with countless other games, like what kind of creatures you can create. and what they what each creature can do 
to a character or yeah, a player. There's it's yeah, definitely pushing the limits of the what the medium can do and like telling a story without like hammering it home and that ultra violence conversation is always whenever I think of the, the Doom Ultra Violence, my favorite story I always love is uh I don't know if uh you're familiar with this, but one of the fellows who worked on Doom, I can't remember if he was a like deacon or a reverend or whatever it was. He was involved in the church in some capacity. Mm. And he had like a bunch of people come up to him knowing he was working on him being like, you know, uh, that's like Satanist material you're working. And his argument was always in that game. You kill demons with chainsaws. I can't think of anything more Christian than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. It's like we've tried. The church has tried everything to combat demons. We never really tried the chainsaw, but it seems effective. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, you know, yeah, I never understood the whole, like, if you have demons in your game, that automatically makes, makes it satanic. I never understood that argument. The demons never, are the bad guys. It, I think a lot of this is we kind of got the tail end of it as kids of this, the satanic panic, which, congratulations, kids, it's coming back. Um, yeah, yeah, and not just in your episodes of Stranger Things. Yeah. I was going to say, thanks, Eddie. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> You beat me to it, you motherfucker. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we kind of got the tail end of that in the 90s as kids. That was, that was yeah. mostly going away. But uh, yeah, we didn't curb stomp those motherfuckers hard enough because, again, like I said, they're coming back now. So, But like, yeah, I'm at least glad I grew up in a house where like the satanic panic was non-existent, at least in that staple. Like I could have run to the kitchen and be like, Mom, Dad, I'm going to go summon Satan in the woods. And I'm like, whatever, just be back by seven. Mm-hmm. I was never back by seven. Nor was I. I was always back by six fifty nine because the good Lord asked me to be. <laughs> oh, I thought you said because it was almost because se- it was almost sexier. There is no six sixty nine. Hmm. Said six fifty nine. Yeah, I know what you said. <laughs> no, I was trying to make a, a joke there. I'm glad Josh got it. <laughs> Not that you didn't. Just you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, Doom. I think it's a great choice. Um, Josh, do you want to go next, or would you like me to go? You can go next because Doom was actually my first choice. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I thought, it, yeah, I need to reshuffle I it might some be, things because I, I, like, yeah, of the two I had written down, like for these are the ones worth talking about. Doom, I think, is undeniably just so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Especially when you look at the landscape of gaming in the past. 10 to 15 years and how mm-hmm. first person shooters have really been the most dominant thing or even battle royale games have been the most dominant i mean yeah and they are infinite. all that that is the core of all of those games it's undeniable doom's influence when you consider that you know yeah yeah so i think i think that is a fantastic choice um i'm definitely going to go I think very obvious and very different from you guys. Uh, it's a game that, you know, it released in 99, 1998. And I want to tell you guys a very quick preamble. I won't be too long to get into this game. I remember when it first dropped and my father bought it for me and I, I was just instantly enamored with it. And I was playing Little League Baseball at the time. And I had yet to hit a home run. And my dad told me if I could hit a home run, by the time the season ended, he would buy me the video game manual for this game because I would always end up going to. Well, uh, I didn't a, get it. <laughs> a local. Um, 
store where they had gaming manuals and I would always be reading trying to figure out what to do next in this game because I was too stupid or just I couldn't figure it out when I was that that age. And so that was kind of his compromise. And by the end of the season, as Rich spoiled, I could not hit a fucking home run. Oh, I thought the answer was going to be that you did, so that's way funnier. No, yeah, it, no, I didn't. I couldn't manage to hit a home run. And so my dad ended up buying it for me anyways, being the saint that he is. He bought it for me, and I played the ever-loving fuck out of this game. Um, I, it's That's not the reason why I, I'm choosing it as the most influential. I'm saying, like, I have a I have a history with this game, and I He's think story unrelated. <laughs> well, I just try trying to build it up a little bit, I guess. But I think that the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time is probably the most influential game of the 1990s, or one of the top three, I would say. Um, yeah. First and foremost, it was the first Zelda game to actually have a story. Granted, it's not a very untrue, completely untrue. All of them before that have stories. That's kind of their deal. Well, let me let me let me finish. I was going to clarify, but thanks for interrupting. Uh, in, in terms of it being one of the more in-depth stories, I would say compared to the previous games, I wouldn't say it's that much more in-depth, but I would say that it does have a considerable amount of uh, story comparatively. They do a whole lot more of the look- story telling during the game. That's what that's yeah. what I was alluding to. Yes, uh, there's there's some voice acting in there, and there there's some actual storytelling yeah. happening in between temples Listen. and moments. <laughs> oh god, that fucking voice! But um, yes, you guys are right. Technically, there is story in the previous games, but I was more alluding to there's more in depth story and also the way it was being told in this game, which yeah. I think was. Not only revolutionary for the series, but <clears throat> the reason why I'm bringing that up right off the bat is because this game did a really good job of mashing a lot of gen- genres of gaming together. And I think it was a precursor yeah. to a lot of how games are made today. You look at uh, Ocarina of Time, it was an action adventure game that also was very much a puzzle game that was. I wouldn't say it had RPG elements per se, but it had precursors to what would become RPG elements integrated into games that I think aren't. it's got RPG elements. I, I I think that's fair to say. I mean, item screens like you know dungeoneering stuff. I I would say it's got RPG elements, but that's such a loose term. Like you could argue that for that's, almost anything. That's why. Yeah. That's why I'm not definitively saying it. You know, I'm I'm sure there's some. I don't think you'd stuff. be off base in saying so, though. I don't think I would either, but, you know, for the sake of not arguing, I'm, I'm saying, like, it, it was a precursor for what we see of there being an integration of a lot of RPG elements in games that aren't specifically RPGs. I think that um, it isn't the first game that did that, but it really paved the way um, in terms of AAA games and beyond uh, for that to be integrated. So I think it is a really good game in terms of blending a lot of genres together um i think it was really good at that and um it it was seamless too because the way you solved puzzles while also getting into combat and action was brilliant and it's something again it was not the first of its kind resident evil the first and the second game also did that 
um, had a similar formula to some regards, but I don't think that those games per se are as effective at being a beautiful blend of genres like Ocarina of Time is. I think Ocarina of Time is like the pinnacle of that era of the blending of genres. I also think, and I think you kind of drove this home a little bit, but I think um, I, th- I think this is kind of what you were driving at with the story stuff, more so than like, because obviously the other Zelda games had stories, but the way game this game did a lot to pioneer a change in the way games told stories. Yes. And, and yeah. that the story was pushed to the front and was not like a thing you were reading about in text as you trucked along or like for as much as I love like a link to the past and I love the story of a link to the past. I love everything about a link to the past. You could just like brush your way through its mechanics. And as long as you're reading enough of the text to know this is the place I go to next, that's enough. And you could totally remove yourself from the story. Ocarina's story is at the front and it has a, a point to tell. And they're just pure points of narrative dumps. Yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way of wording that. I think, you know, for younger crowd or people who didn't get into gaming until later in life or people who have just forgotten um, gaming back in in the 80s and even in the early 90s, the very early 90s, it was all just about like when you were playing the game, you would get little bits and pieces here, but here and there. But for the most part, you didn't get much of a story unless you went out of your way to search for that story. I think about games like Fantasy Star. Um which definitely had I, I, a, a yeah. fair amount of story, but also a lot of the story came from and a cat. you also talking to random townspeople to get more of the story. That was how a lot of those games were, which is kind of what Rich is talking about. You're reading supplemental text. You're talking to um, NPCs that don't necessarily dictate where to go next. And that's how you're getting a lot of that story where this, this game actually, like Rich said, put it at the forefront. Yeah, yeah, and this was so many games tried this moving into 3D. Um there's there's kind of a divide here between the 64 and the PS1 as far as how that's handled because the N64 was a much faster machine with the downside being the storage for it was next to non-existent. It still had all the drawbacks yes. of cartridges. Um so on the PS1 side of things, you got um, much more focus on the pre-rendered backgrounds because we can shove so many JPEGs on one of these bad boys, slaps the hood. Um, <laughs> like that was that was what they did well. Uh, so you ended up with a mm. lot of pre-rendered backgrounds on like the Resident Evils, the Final Fantasies, um, and then just fixed cameras to to make that work um which is really cool whereas in stuff like ocarina of time you end up with some really cool establishing shots of locations like oh i just Mm. wandered to this village for the first time let's do a camera sweep around the whole thing so you can see the village kind of get a feel for what people are doing uh right as you as you walk into this uh, and I feel like a lot of the how to how to use a 3D space was really mm. influenced by Ocarina of Time. Uh, like Super Mario 64 kind of a 
addressed some of these things, especially like on on the gameplay front. But as far as how to use a camera to tell a story, Ocarina of Time really kind of wrote the book on that. Um, uh, by by taking its camera directly out of Star Fox sixty four. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, I... sorry. No, go for it. Go for it. Z targeting. Still a but stable that... today. Like they mm. they figured that shit out first go round, and and that that's still still industry standard. Yeah, Z targeting is point. the staple. And to what I was referencing there for any one unfamiliar, because I would just feel when you're talking about Ocarina, it's always the most interesting story. Uh, it was suspected for a long time and only confirmed a few short years ago that the Z-targeting system was directly ripped out of the way Z-targeting works in Star Fox 64, mm-hmm. up to the point that the R-Wing model is in the game and just not visible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's hilarious. But also, I think that the way they, like, even if they ripped the mechanic itself out of their off, own the way- game like they made it work from something else it's yeah. like so, i don't think you could fault yeah. them there right but the way it's implemented i think is revolutionary. oh that's right? what's important yeah. yeah yeah absolutely but that's also awesome yeah um, and that, that targeting idea was happening elsewhere because like we were mentioning before with resident evil you've just got automatic targeting like you point in the mm. general direction of an enemy and it's gonna target and it just doesn't feel as good it yeah it doesn't feel as good as having you know, a measure of control over the system. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to keep harping on the story, but one last thing I want to say about the story is like, I'm sure some people are out there being like, well, Final Fantasy VII was released a year before and that has an incredible story. I, I want to say that I, I'm not saying this is the, the peak evolution of storytelling or anything like that itself, but more of the way it was implemented and this is kind of what Josh was mentioning and what Rich was mentioning and I was, was mentioning is that essentially it, it's the way that it was implemented into a story that or a game that shouldn't have had as in-depth or as good of a story as it did. Or Not it wasn't you, the genre known for story or, at that point. Yeah. Exactly. Like yeah. Final Fantasy was a JRPG. Which yeah, that was, that was Final Fantasy VII. J- yeah, Final, what Final Fantasy games were was they were basically really dense fantasy novels where there was a, a computer game element where you fought all the battles. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't really have much more to say about it. I think that there are other things we could t- talk about is like the puzzling in that game is phenomenal, even to this day, um, even yeah. though some of the mechanics are a little bit dated. But those puzzles uh, I, still feel intuitive. Like, yes. you go back and play that today, they feel great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if, per se, those puzzles are are influential, per se, you know, because there are previous Zelda games that also have incredible puzzle. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I could say that, per se, is influential in itself. I'm, tr- I'm trying I, to think I, I guess I started could... the whole block-pushing thing. Mm. It uh, might have been Zelda, but not in 3D. Yeah. We've been pushing blocks since the the late eighties. We're just pushing so many blocks. We'd be pushing. Mm-hmm. Can we? That's uh, our, that's a new T shirt idea. It's the three of us pushing a block, and it says "push it real good." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But I I will say this: while it was not per se the most influential three D game, because I think that would probably go to Super Mario sixty four, um, in the nineties jumping from 2d to 3d i definitely think it was the next progression 
And I think it has oh, yeah. some level of influence there. Yeah, it did so many things right. Um, so many things with, like we were talking about the Z-targeting with the, the way they handled switching items and making them usable on like their own button sort of like mm. it it did so much right on their first go around um to to make you know a 3d game not a chore to play which that was not a given at the time no yeah um there was a lot of question of like how is this gonna work yeah yeah absolutely um well josh it's up to you man um, what game do you got for us? Tell us. There's so many. The 90s were such a ridiculous period of growth for gaming. Mm. Um, yeah. This is this is like it could be a million games, and you could make an argument for it effectively. I think. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, That's why, like, I I like doing some of these topics because it's like. We're trying to narrow narrow ourselves down to one, possibly two, if if we're trying to be generous to ourselves. But it's a yeah. very very difficult thing to narrow it down. Nights into dreams. Go ahead, make your argument. <laughs> um, kind of coming at this from a different angle. Mm. Um, I think the original StarCraft is one of the most influential games of the 90s. Absolutely. Uh, because yeah. it really, really set the stage for gaming as an eSport. Uh, more so I than I think, yeah. more so than I think anything else during the 90s. Like, there, there were other games that you had competitions for. There's still, people still play Street Fighter 2. But I think the game that... Um, you know, we latched onto kind of collectively that became just a phenomenon, especially in South Korea, that really has kind of kept the industry alive through the aughts, which was there wasn't a lot going on stateside at that at that time. Mm. Uh, StarCraft really did that by having a game that was easy to play against other players and had just an astronomically high skill ceiling. Um, yeah. Which is something yeah, that, a lot of games don't have. And was also fairly easy to pick up. Oh, yeah, that. yeah. Like, it's, it's a game that anyone can pick up and play and, and like, beat the campaign and kind of understand. Tough to master. Oh, yeah, like, this, this is, I, I get it. I, I can understand what's happening here. But it's, 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 it's like, trying to play chess on a piano is kind of <laughs> how the game works. And it's, yeah. it's just, it's crazy seeing how some of the most skilled players are able to interact with this game. Um, yeah. I mean, like I, I want, I want to kind of harp on that point of it becoming such a phenomenon for esports because I think that is so important because one of the things we've seen in the past five years is gaming ballooning to be one of the most, if not the most, um, financially viable medium. Like it, it, oh, it is, is. There's so mm -hmm. much growth in gaming right now. It is the most um, financially sound medium to get into, especially if 
you are a big name studio. Like you can take risks now and make a shit ton of money. And a, a large part of that um, obviously is like things like microtransactions and loot boxes. But another big part of that is because of esports. It has become such a huge global phenomenon that you have teenagers building massive teams to compete against fucking adults to try and win shit ton of money. And they always beat us, and they're so mean. <laughs> I have some German guy always yelling at me, Scheiße! And I'm like, how old are you? And he's Why like, are you doing 12. This? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I, and I take back that last you message. You sound so old. <laughs> yeah, we smoke the cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking your muzzle right now. Oh, Why are you saying too. this, Klaus? Why is he always Klaus? That's a go-to. It was Klaus There's or Hans. There's only one name in Germany. It was, it was there Klaus were two, or Hans. but Adolf is outlawed now. Yeah, you cannot. You don't want to name yeah, your kid Adolf. Yeah. I mean... Because that's I'm the sure name of a famous does. dictator. I'm sure somebody does. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, but, no, I wasn't ripping on you, Rich. I was saying, like, that's always the go-to in Klaus movies. Klaus and like, Hans are, like, the go-to German guy names. Mm -hmm. Hans sure. Gruber. Yes, Hans yes. Gruber. You went very Swedish there. <laughs> I did. Dude, I cannot fucking do accents. I tell you what. I tell you what, Bobby. I don't trust that Klaus fella. He sounds like a Swede. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Dad, not the Swedes. Man, I, I love Irish They won't Irish get involved. Accents. You're thinking of Switzerland, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... Back, yeah, back to back to Josh's uh, pick. What were we talking about? StarCraft. One of the things I think I want to mention also to kind of come and do my long-winded support of your guys' very succinct points is one <laughs> of the things that was really, I think, influential about the game too is its micromanagement. Um, and that's where you guys are talking about easy to get into, hard to master. That mm -hmm. is one of the, I think, not per se the first game to do this, but it was one of the games that make it made it to where it was accessible yet there was so much there were so many layers to yeah. get into that it would take hours and hours and actual time of studying the game to I understand to how pylons. to play the game oh yeah 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 um and and i that, think that yeah. be, that that has become a mainstay for many different genres today i mean granted yeah. um Dungeons and Dragons is probably the precursor to that for RPGs, but the way nowadays RPGs can be easy to get into but hard to master because of all those layers that you're involved in that you're trying to understand, I think in part has some influence from StarCraft. And the reason why I say that is you go look at older RPGs that were not easy to get into. Um, because they were so heavy on the on the hard to master aspect, like trying to get involved or get in depth with all those layers was a very daunting task. When you go play old school RPGs, they're very hard to get into because there are so many systems to master or just plain and simple. They don't tell you enough. But with StarCraft, I think that yeah. it made it to where it was accessible for en enough people yet those systems to master it are still in place. So there was, it, there was the best of both worlds. All crowds could get into it if yeah, they're interested yeah. in that genre. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> kind of, kind of like I mentioned before with the the whole esports part of it. Fighting games were a thing, but I mean, think back to when we were kids in the '90s. So much of fighting games was just arcane knowledge. Like I heard a rumor about a move you can do. Like it's it was, it was extremely unapproachable. Yeah, fighting um, games are cool. I agree. <laughs> um, it's it like whereas something like StarCraft, like this this unit has this much armor, their attack does this much, and attacks this this fast. It's like it's okay. Like I, you can kind of they tell you all the information, and then you can figure out what to do with that because they don't tell you what any of that means in practice. They just tell you here's the thing and it's up to you to figure out what the hell to do with that um instead of in in a lot of other games at the time how anything even worked was kind of the mystery uh, mm. of of a game um and and way less so how how you could master it like there yeah. there was still mm-hmm. that in in other games but like that was kind of it for StarCraft Sure. Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to, I think nowadays probably to see the direct influence of that game because, because of the simple fact that RTSs aren't as popular as they were. But I yeah. do think that it's still like directly, like well, but, but, on the but surface, it's hard to see that yeah. influence. But there, RTS has had a ton of influence directly to MOBAs. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, Dota is just a Warcraft mod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. True. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. I it was up there for me in my picks actually as well. Um, Warcraft for me, but same principle, really. Yeah, I yeah, think I th- we. Yeah, I think we have enough time to do one more each. I'd say so. Okay. Well, Rich, go for it. What's your second pick? Thanks a lot, Jock. My pick is Street Fighter <laughs> Jock. 2. I love Jock. <laughs> no, yeah. that's absolutely. I, I think Street Fighter 2 is another one up there that kind of has yeah, buoyed that industry. Um, that uh, arcade culture that, like, literally the, the things you're talking about comparatively to uh, something like StarCraft are actually the things I love about fighting games. Mm-hmm. Like, the era of, like, I heard if you do this weird thing, fucking Akuma shows up. And, oh, like, yeah. yeah, that was true. No one was going to figure that out on their own, but that also... It's going to accidentally happen enough times well, in it, an arcade it's setting. It's not even that... a matter of accidentally happening, and I won't harp on, like, the details of that for too long because there's a two-hour episode of Chomping at the Bits about it. Yeah. Um, where, you know, like, the strategy of Capcom and Midway and those studios at the times was, we're going to put these things in the boards, we're going to let slip the information to certain people in the testing market, so yeah. it becomes a rumor, and then three months later, we are going to give it to a gaming magazine to print. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, yeah. But, like, just that fighting game culture, uh, that was, like, arcades by the end of the 90s were fading, but... Uh, like fighting game culture survived through things like Evo and through online play mm-hmm. and Street Fighter 2 especially is the beginning of all of that um, so far that you know thanks to games like Street Fighter and the awkwardness of Japanese culture um, they had to redesign what you'll see as traditional Japanese arcade game fighting cabinets where the players aren't facing each other mm. but um, American cabinets needed to be built differently because 
that's not a thing in American culture. Like we want to call each other dipshits and <laughs> uh, throw fireballs at each other where Japanese people don't even want to look each other in the eye while they kick each other's ass as a street fighter. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Oh yeah. No, when I was doing uh, a ton of research on particularly that episode of chomping at the bits, that's one of the big things the developers talk about. Like, the being seen as rude or overly aggressive is so was such a, a thing in Japanese culture that people didn't want to do. That's why if you look at like a Japanese fighting game cabinet, it's two separate monitors that are facing in the opposite direction. So the players don't even have to see each other or engage or mm-hmm. talk instead of sharing a screen. Yeah, it's which is hilarious. And it probably says a lot about me that there's an arcade by me that has that style of fighting game cabinet. And I much prefer that. Mm. Mm. That's interesting. I didn't even know that. To be honest, yeah, I don't know much arcade cabinet styles that, frankly, the U.S. didn't see a lot of. We we had way more of the traditional upright. We have the very traditional upright, yeah. Deals. But the what you'll typically see in a Japanese fighting game cabinet is a much more expensive machine. Um, but people would just post up for hours and play on those things. Two monitors sitting down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the sitting style was. It was more, they had that, the, the... That's what I call luxury arcade. Yeah, well, they had the alternating screen thing as well, but they also had countertop models, which were essentially just inset in a counter, where you'd look down at yeah, them. Yeah, co- cocktail tables. Yeah, co- yeah. As yeah. we call them here. Um, which were way less of a thing in the States, uh, because, mm. you know... Until they became home items, and we, they were marketed as cocktail cabinets. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like a cocktail Pac-Man machine, things like that, which are uh, very cool. Um, but not just affecting arcade culture. Again, like things like Evo spawned out of Street Fighter sort oh, of yeah, being the yeah. pillar and the staple for every fighting game. Uh, Mortal Kombat, which happened around the same time and is arguably just as influential. I would argue Street Fighter is a little bit more influential because Probably it has a much more... Side. Uh, stateside Mortal Kombat is definitely more influential, but I think Street Fighter more so worldwide. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think such Mortal big Kombat appeal in America was, and Japan. Yeah, Mortal Kombat was a big deal in the U.S. just because politically it caught so much flack that everyone in the states wanted to play mortal Kombat because oh it's so violent they want to take this game away from us yeah exactly Um, and it was it was that was kind of a thing like mortal Kombat usually had a lot you know but at least in the arcades i frequented as a kid mortal Kombat had much more of a mystique around it than the street fighter cabinets and yet somehow street fighter is still ubiquitous enough that like People who don't play video games know what Street Fighter is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I think inarguably important and Street Fighter still going strong. Had some weird missteps in the middle. I'm hopeful for Street Fighter 6. It looks pretty goddamn good. Uh, yep. Fighting games aren't going anywhere. Just the medium and the disassociation with which we play fighting games against yep. each other increases. Oh, that was the other thing with, with Street Fighter 6. Part of, part of what I was complaining about here. They're, they're moving, not moving, but you have an option to play with a simplified control scheme, a la, yes. like, you know, uh, Smash Brothers or, or, or something. More, one of the more simplified It's called coward systems. mode. Yeah, but that makes way more sense to get into the game if you don't want to have to learn oh, a lot of combat. Oh, it makes it far combos. more approachable. Yeah, yeah like that, it, it's, it's, it's a much more approachable thing. And I think that's good because... There, there's, there's still a huge 
fighting game community, but I feel like it's kind of growing more and more insulated as the years have gone on, and I, I, I think there, there needs to be more accessible ways to get in to that space. It's, it's insular because, yeah, they start to feel less and less approachable, and they need ways to feel more inviting to players, even if that means you have to start in kind of this simple mode and slowly get more comfortable and move your way up to yeah, and I, I, the way I, I you really would play in like that, a pro league. I really hope that this mode does something to kind of address that. Yeah, I am hopeful for that as well. I have, I have a quick question. Do you not sure. think that uh, Tekken 3 is the more influential fighting game? No, Tekken 2 is the good Tekken, and even that's not half as influential as this. I love Tekken 2 and Tekken 3, actually, both of them. I thought Tekken, Tekken 3, 3 was... I, I, I like Tekken 2 more than Tekken 3. I don't think Tekken 3 is a bad game, just so it's clear. I think you're mm. both completely insane for thinking any 3D fighters are not absolute dog shit. I like Tekken 7. Tekken Seven's cool. I like Soul Calibur. F- is it two or Josh, four? Josh, you don't like regular four. fighting games. Fighting games are okay-ish, but 3D fighting games are almost universally garbage because Soul they, they take is a that entire game. formula and add an extra dimension on it to the point where ninety percent of the fan base of them just button mash. That's that's it because there's there's no reason to put any effort into doing anything beyond button mashing in 3D fighters. Don't you like Super Smash Brothers? That's not a 3D fighter. Yeah, I know, but it's the same. It's the same thing. People just button mash. Not effectively. No, Smash Brothers is one of the least effective games to button mash because it's simple to actually get the controls. Tell that to my drunk friends. Yeah, tell that to me. Say it to my face. I think I just did. Oh, yeah, you did. Say it to my face. (laughs) (laughs) For the listeners, I was looking away from the camera. I think they figured that out. (laughs) I don't know why. That was probably one of your funnier bits in quite some time, Rich. So simple. Going back to basics. You know what would have been better? Is if Josh suddenly popped up on your screen right behind (laughs) you. (laughs) What the fuck? I'm taking the piss. Yeah, I mean, like, I never really got into Street Fighter, so I don't really understand why it's so heralded as one of the most influential games of the the second game, obviously, as one of the most influential games of the 90s. So to hear Rich actually talk about that helps me understand a little bit more. Actually, it makes me want to go listen to the episode where you talk about it. The balance is so much tighter than a lot of other fighting games that had come out at that point. It was, Mm. it was... It was it was it was a game that was actually worth putting the time into learning the systems. Of it's it. it's not only tighter in like in the sense that if you learn the basics, you can sort of pick up any character and like learn the nuances and get it. But on top of that, like the stages and the music were amazing. Oh, yeah. All the characters were so unique and vibrant and like especially stepping up from the first Street Fighter, which is a very basic game. Yeah. Like Street Fighter 2 has all these like it, it's, you know, these fucking crazy characters like fucking mm-hmm. Blanca and Dalsim. Uh, like there's a reason like 90 percent of the cast of Street Fighter 2 people are upset when those people don't appear in the new street fighter games yeah Mm. like well i'll probably eventually do an episode on this but one of the things i think is most interesting is the game that became street fighter uh three actually didn't start as street fighter three it was a totally different fighting game and they didn't think it was going to do well so they were like put ryu in this (laughs) i like ryu 
everybody like Ryu. I like Guile. <laughs> okay. Guile, pretty cool. I like Heihachi. I like, uh, throw him in a volcano. Um, I like, uh, Raul Julia's portrayal of M. Bison. I like Goro. Yeah, Goro's pretty, pretty cool. Hmm. I like Yoshimitsu. Let's move on. Okay. Yeah, I, I also gonna... like I also like Soul Calibur. Well, or Tekken. I mean, it's in Tekken. That was first. the joke. Is it... Ah! Anyways, I like Geralt too. I like Garugamesh. I like Noctis. <laughs> I'm just naming. People I love that are in anime. Tekken. I love anime. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> That's all I wanted today. Um. My second choice is an obvious and easy one. Um, Pokemon Red and Blue. Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> uh, Pokemon Red and Blue have, have to be talked about. Um, I'm not going to talk about too much of why that game was so influential, because you know. You know that game, never, why it's I've influential. I've never heard of it. Pokemon <laughs> Red and Blue? I hardly know her. Ah! Boom. Roasted. No, but um, you, you, you just look at how that game has transcended just being a simple video game and become such a global fucking name and powerhouse in not only gaming, but just media in general. It is it's, one of the big, biggest media properties in the world. Exactly. And it all started from a game. It all started from a game. It's become a collector card game it has become an apparel brand that uh companies will often pair with like uniqlo does pairing with them and h&m does pairings with them all the time um obviously uh animes slash tv shows slash movies which i love (laughs) um is spawned that is spawned books it has spawned uh music uh you know there have been soundtracks dedicated to it there are constant references in um hip-hop and other culture to pokemon it it's it's transcended simple video gaming and i think that is you'll you'll hear loops from the gba and and snes all the time on hip-hop if you're if you're really paying attention Mm, that is also true uh that's video games in general yeah, yeah. Rap, like modern rap artists love to fucking sample video games, and who can blame? I them? I think even old school. I mean, you look at uh, modern it's way more artists. common now, but you're you're not yes. wrong. Yeah, I mean, um, even Nine Inch Nails did that famous song. Um, was it "Fuck You Like an Animal"? Is that what it's called with the Mario sound effects? Yeah, there are Mario sound effects in that song. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think that really Pokemon paved the way for gaming to become more than gaming i mean obviously mario was another big one as well but i don't think it did it to the effect that pokemon has done it to just pokemon has transcended generations like like mario yeah but that, also... was a, that was a hit on the first go around like yes yeah mario was That's kind of a character point. that had been cooking for a long time before he gained the po- same sort of cultural relevance as pokemon <laughs> yeah right po- out the gate Pokemon's so interesting, too, because, like you said, like, generational. It's, like, that staple of, like, every generation has their Pokemon game. Mm-hmm. That is, like, the Pokemon... For us, it's the first one. 
Um, but then after that, it's just like every generation of kids will have like their favorite Pokemon. It's always like from the first game they played. It's just interesting mm-hmm. in that sense that they've made, you know, close to if we're not at over a thousand already and mm. like even the ones that are, are dumb are kind of appealing like even when you see the pokemon that you're like that's just a fucking key ring it's adorable yeah i like i love well, i love how since we grew up with that first one we're like oh yeah no these are the best period and then shit on all of all the new dumb ones so to say hey, we also but like then, then we had shit like ekans which is just snake backwards Okay, well, we're not here to, t- to argue for the sake of the naming conventions. The Japanese names are sometimes way cooler. Um, also, like, we don't shit on the second gen. We also really like second gen, I'd argue. Totodile, very cool. <laughs> yeah, no, there were a lot of folks who, you know, got the second gen because they were slow to the party and it came out right around the time they would have saved up enough for a Game Boy in red and blue. Mm-hmm. That, I remember... Uh, being so stoked for the day mm. and night cycle in gold and silver. Mm. I was like, it gets dark at nighttime and light <laughs> during, and different Pokemon come out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was... <laughs> jokes aside, that was so important back in the no, day. No, a lot of that was yeah. pretty revolutionary. Like, really unique ideas for the... Well, I'm well, not going to say... Castlevania did it first, and, and everyone yes. shit on them for it. But you know. I think that game's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's way cooler than everyone gives it credit for. But I love yelling at the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who doesn't? Nobody. Karen. Yeah. You had a cell phone. They'd call you on your cell phone and be like, I want a battle again. And then I'd have to remember where this asshole is. Check my pager. Meet you yeah. in the church parking lot, bitch. Bird ca- capturer Brendan <laughs> called me. He said he evolved his Pidgey into a Pidgeot and he wants to battle. I have a level 99 Lugia. Yeah. But I, I guess one thing I can say about this, because there are so many different things we could talk about with this game. Obviously, um, the insanely impressive soundtrack is not the first one, but I think the soundtrack is influential so much so oh, that yeah. some of those themes even stand in 2022. You know, there. Iter- I think all of them do. I think they're all. No, really I'm good. Sa- what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is like there have been iterations of them that still survive even in 2022. I mean, you look at. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. The Pokestop music has not changed. No, not at all. Um, I mean, you could say the same thing about Mario as well. Obviously. You could say the same thing about Street Fighter that we just talked about. Like those That's character true. themes for Street Fighter Two. Yeah, they're the same in Street yeah, Fighter yeah, Five. Sure. The just, limitations well of those early gens. Sound chips really necessitated making strong melodies that you would not get tired of. And making love. Necessitated making love. Gonna grab some afternoon delight. (laughs) Clapping, wife's cheeks clapping. Sky rockets in flight. Afternoon delight. That's not a Pokemon song. But it's it a song about be. making love during the no, daytime. That's true. Uh, the other thing I would say is like their their general system, like you guys were talking about, the, the whole collecting and battling has transcended even into knockoffs and is permeated yeah. into other games. Like one of the ones I always think about is World of Warcraft. 
um, how at a certain point they introduced collecting oh, yeah, yeah, the pet animals and yeah. then making them battle each other. And it was a mod for a long time. I remember pet battling long before World of Warcraft decided to just put it in the Dude, game. Yeah, that, yeah they, they've done that a lot of times. That's one thing that I kind of liked about yeah. WoW is that someone will make a mod for that game and like two years later they're like, yeah, I know we should just do that. I was going to say, yeah, I was pet battling for at least two years before yeah. it became an actual in-game feature. Yeah. Okay, Michael Vick. Mm-hmm. That is not the same thing. That man is a bad man. <laughs> We're doing dog fighting. <laughs> We're doing it live. That's a terrible joke. Sorry to all those dogs. Uh, Josh, you have the pleasure of wrapping it up for us here at Swordchomp before we get this into is tough, the uh, you've comments. This is tough, because you've so many... I had... I, I literally... I Every time we do this, I make a list of, like, way, way more games than I need for the actual number I need, because this always happens. And then we burn through all and of them. And then anyway. you, you burn through, like, my list of ten that I've got somehow, even though they've only got two, but... Um, Man, like the, the again, it's not that I'm at this point. You've hit the you've hit the major ones, the ones that need to be brought up. I think, mm. um, but there are still a ton of games that are influential in their own right because this was such a massive period of growth that there's there's, I mean, the nineties. They happen. Yeah, like, they... they, they, <laughs> they went, happen. Well, not... But, like... There was there was a massive, massive um, amount of gaming culture that happened. Not just, mm. not just the technological side of it, but just culturally. There were huge, huge... There was, there was, there was the entire shareware scene that was kind of the tail end of the 90s, and then... Like in in the PC space where people would just make a game and release it, you can you can put this however you want. But if you want to play the actual full game, you'll need the manual for it, and so that means you could also pass around the manual, which a lot of people also did that, where you'd get the the shareware game and then also get the manual with it. Like <laughs> here's mm. here's here's a a photocopy of the manual that you're going to need to actually finish this game. Um, right. And that was, you know, like Doom, which is the first game we talked about, is what kind of started that shareware scene where, like, they were even hesitant to start that to be like, yeah, yeah, how are you how are you going to get people hooked on your game? We're going to give away the first three levels for free. Yeah, exactly. That was such a huge thing. There was there was different scenes in gaming. All over the place, because the, the gaming had not really coalesced into a single thing at that point. Um, right. Like we've we've. There's there's so much here that kind of was up in the air in the '90s that we got really really cool stuff. Like the '90s, I still think is one of my favorite decades, even if some of it's rough going back to at this point, because you get just no one knew what gaming was. Like like we all knew, but no one knew. We didn't know. know how 3D cameras should work. We were trying anything. Yeah. Um. Man. Try, try, trying to think of the last thing to to mention here is is going to be rough. Um, Austin Powers behave for the Game Boy Color. Again, that was in two thousand, as you said. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Sorry, sorry. Uh, may may I offer one, Josh? Go, yeah, offer one. There's there's a bunch here. I've, I I think I know what it is, but you, you, give me give me okay. give me your thoughts. Uh, this game actually came out in 1992. Um, okay. It came out for the. Oh no, it's not gonna be this. It's gonna. Right. Be, it was, came out for the Mega Drive slash Sega Genesis it's, console. It's it, it's, uh, this is a long build up for Shining Force. No, he's gonna every time. Every time you can't you can't you can't give him an inch. You give him an inch, he gives you a Shining Force right back every time. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's what the ladies. Is that love. not where this is heading? Is it? This is. Have insane. I misread the situation? <laughs> That's exactly where it's going. <laughs> uh, you're like, Josh, no, don't do it. Uh, See, Morgan, this is how you be tolerable with your ultimate fandom. Uh, you're listening. Butts. This is how you do it. Don't <laughs> listen in, Morgan. This is also terrible. <laughs> all right. All right. I... I think uh, I, I think you, I, I think I've got it. Like there's there's okay. kind of a toss up here, but I think they both bear mentioning mm. just from their from their influence. I mean, may I may I offer another one in all seriousness? <sighs> okay. It's okay. not Shining Force. All right, Obviously all right. I've already you, done you it. You said in all seriousness, <clears throat> so I'll brace for Shining Force 2. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> That's exactly what I was gonna do. Uh, you're right you're right go ahead um uh, my jokes are done now. There, there are arguments for both of these but ultima online and everquest both were tail end of the 90s mm. and and really made this idea of a shared online space something that people could kind of understand and I, I i think my choice here is everquest just because because it, of the slash pizza command well a that and then b just the the by being in a 3d space and and allowing you to feel more invested in it i i i think it kind of it 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 lets you really connect with the world on a on a deeper level than ultima online did and it is kind mm. of the the stepping stone to world of warcraft yeah um but also yeah like i think ultima ultima is ultima online specifically is maybe a little bit more influential to like the rpg genre as a whole and it's easy to see how we got there from ultima yeah. but uh yeah it's the slash pizza command for me that does it you can yeah. order the pizza right in everquest <laughs> but yeah i think everquest really kind of opened the door to a a new a new audience in a lot of ways there were that there was it was the internet in general was a space that was so much more welcoming than the absolute fucking shit show it is these days because mm. you could create your own communities and it was it was so much of it was moderated on a small scale that you you didn't if someone was being a jackass you don't put up with it they're, they're just they're gone um, and a lot of these spaces were really tight knit communities. Um, EverQuest especially was, was, I think a space that got a lot of people into games that wouldn't have been there otherwise. And I think that it has really expanded the industry in a massive way by getting people to connect with it on like a really personal level. Um, right. 
I think I think what's interesting too about the games that we're kind of bringing up as influential because I don't have a lot of experience with the ones that you've mentioned for that last part, Josh. But mm-hmm. I think that the ones we've kind of chosen, I I agree wholeheartedly in that they are influential for each one of us. But it also kind of shows the games we kind of tend tend to play as people. Yeah, I think in some ways, uh, yeah. Josh, you are very much the type of gamer. I mean, you, of course, play your indies and you really enjoy your solo gaming time. I think that that's undeniable and that sounds very sexual and I don't mean it that way. But um, <laughs> how'd you but, mean it? Oh, you know. <laughs> but also, I think that um, like you, you have those that inclination to want to game with other people and to be in like a tribe, so to speak. And to like, you enjoy the community of gaming, which I think, you know, it's something that has largely come from like these games you're mentioning and Starcraft in a lot of ways as well. Um, Yeah. And you're not the only one for me. Like I brought up Ocarina of Time and, um, Pokemon, like I really tend to cling to action adventure games a lot. Oh yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I think even like Metroidvanias, which is a genre. I've I really thought about into. bringing that up as well because the '90s were huge for that. You know, genre in general. We had you mm. know Super Metroid and uh, um, so many amazing Castlevanias during the '90s, as well as Symphony of the Night, which kind of. Yeah. I, Symphony of the Night coalesced the the genre around a single point for a long time that we're kind of right. still, you know, just barely crawling out of the shadow of that game now. Mm. Um, yeah, there's so many games that could be. I yeah, there I like we just have our own inclinations, and I think that. We we brought up some really good points, you know. Like I wanted to bring up Final Fantasy VII, um, but in the scheme of things, I don't think it, that's as influential as per se some of the games that we all brought up. It, Final Fantasy VII was the next big step in JRPGs, but like as far as the shape of like the loop of those games, I think they were kind of already there. Yeah, yeah I think uh, Seven was influential in the way that it was marketed to the West more so than the game itself. And also, when you say the term influential, not to say that the games I brought up are not important to me, because they're both games I like a lot and really reflective of some of my taste in games, but, like, I'm thinking less purely, like, the games that were the most important thing in the world to me that time, and, like, I think those games had a large impact on the gaming market. Like, yeah, Doom yeah. so undeniably. Um, and Street Fighter Two, also huge. Yeah, 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 but I think that you are a big fan of both of those games. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. But uh, I I do think, like, in terms of what is popular in gaming right now, Doom is a way bigger influence than Final Fantasy VII was on the way games would go over the course of the next 25 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Uh, for sure. It wasn't the the first-person game, but it was, like like you said before, because because of that shareware model, the most influential first-person game at the outset that just really kind of got people Yeah, when invested. it comes to the, the first-person shooter, like, that was the first thing that comes... I think that's Doom is the first game that comes to mind for probably a lot of people in our age and a little bit older. 
yeah mm. is doom that was the first game i saw that was an fps yeah yeah like, again yeah yeah exactly yeah the first person shooter part of it that there were other first person shooters but they were real-time takes on the first-person dungeon crawlers is what they were. Yeah, and it was a lot flashier yeah. and a lot funner and a lot dumber. Yeah, in, exactly. In, in like, a good, dumb way. Exactly. Like, like some of the ones I was talking about are, are still id games, but they were like, okay, we want, we want to make these dungeon crawlers a little more interactive. Um, well, it, and, it and, and then it like, wasn't until Doom that you got into the idea that, no, the it being interactive part is, is, is the given. What can we do from there instead of it making yeah, it just like, a dungeon crawler? The, the closest building block to that is like, well, and there's another id title is Wolfenstein 3D. And Wolfenstein 3D was more of a proof of concept for what would become Doom because it is founded. They go, well, we got this IP for this game, Wolfenstein. What should we do with it? And they were like, let's remake it in first person 3D. Yep, mm. and then you get Wolfenstein 3D, which is you know I, I probably not as prevalent as Doom. I hold it right next to Doom when I think of that genre and that. I time. think that was bigger in the 3D, sp- or sorry, not in the 3D, but but in the PC space, because I I know probably. among among PC gaming friends, Wolfenstein was a much bigger deal, but among gaming friends, Doom was just massive massive by comparison mm, yeah and, and you know at, at the time it was like doom has the last legacy i think because of the uh the controversy like no one was on the senate floor saying we shouldn't be depicting hitler getting killed mm-hmm. yeah yeah which again that that kind of falls under the today they might do that under the whole christian like why would you not want demons killed in a game th- conversation right it's kind of like in that same oh yeah it's the same argument it's like i don't have to feel bad about ultraviolence because the because the bad guys are nazis and to that i say agreed yep i think we can go more violent exactly well let's jump into a few of the listener comments that we have um if you ever want to leave a comment on the topic of the week usually it's on thursday sometimes friday when i'm being lazy over at the uh Instagram. Um, we'll post the topic of the week and you can leave your comment on the, on there and we'll read it on the show. So the first comment I want to read is, uh, speaking of doom, dog rules 23 said doom. That's all. There you go. Correct. I think, I think we hit most of the points on doom at this point. (laughs) We have talked about doom some. Yeah. (laughs) A bit. Hmm. Uh, Peyton Jones 02 uh, left two comments. Said, too many to name for each genre with Ocarina of Time and Mario 64, shaping yeah. the aspect of how we'll see 3D games for the future. Absolutely. To Resident Evil and Silent Hill, setting the ground for horror. There's just hundreds yep, of games. It's hard to limit to just one. So I tasked him. I said, just pick one. You can do it. And he said, probably go with Ocarina of Time. So, yeah. There you go. And uh, fair point on Resident Evil and Silent Hill. Like none of us touched mm. on them, but in the, their respective genres, yeah, absolutely, uh, yeah, very. absolutely. And and still like, to this day, frankly, I think the best horror games coming out are still doing low poly, like PS One era stuff, because that's that's kind of when we nailed the also, shit out of that genre. It's a speak. It speaks to how good the bones of those concepts are when, like, one of the best games that came out in 2019 was a remake of Resident Evil 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That game was phenomenal. I fucking... I actually kind of want to go back to it since they put out that free PS5 upgrade. I want to see uh, how that runs and how mm. that plays. 
I should, I do, I want to return to it because I played that game in the noir mode the entire time, the remake. So I want to go back oh, did and play you? it okay. in normal mode with Claire. Yeah, you should. You should. That game is top notch. It is a fantastic game. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think Resident Evil and even Silent Hill have a ton of influence, but I wouldn't put them at the top of the list just because I think that is a little bit more of a niche genre per se. But still an I, important one. But yeah. I'd almost put them yes. more there for a cultural importance than gaming in general, because frankly, zombies in their current form are not a George Romero creation. It is a Resident Evil creation. The idea of the science created, you know, virus gone wrong. The, the horror That's sci-fi horror zombie, zombie yeah. is from Resident Evil. Yes. That is a fantastic point that I didn't yeah. even think about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think absolutely. that really kind of re kickstarted that. The purely the viral zombie thought. rather than the like voodoo curse zombie. Yes. Yeah. That, that's from gaming. That is, that is mm. something. Yeah. Yeah. That I think that's just a great point. Culturally, the ultimate at large mission is, is huge. The ultimate mm. mission of Nintendo of America make it 1997 again, either through science or magic. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it. Uh, Messi Valoni, a good friend of ours, said first, Crash Bandicoot. Just two moves, jump and spin to get forward in the game, and it's still challenging. Did anybody here get 100%? I couldn't get through another key room. I think that Crash Bandicoot is honestly an underrated game in this topic constantly. I do. Uh, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put it at the top of the influential list. Yeah. But. I think it should be right up there with um, some of the other games. Obviously, it doesn't have as much of the techno- technological marvel of 3D implementation as Super Mario 64, yeah. which does it, it very felt, well. It felt more like a 2D platformer that happened to be in 3D. Uh, it's it's in funny you actually say that, Josh, because that was what I was going to bring up. Is like th- It was going for a different thing than what Mario 64, yeah. transitioning 3D to 2D. In fact, while doing some research for a Crash Bandicoot episode of a certain show that might be happening at some point in the coming months, um, get me on that episode. You'll you'll be called for that, Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I discovered this is one of the most my favorite internal terms I found in researching game history. Um, internally, for a while, because of its perspective, Crash Bandicoot was being referred to uh, by the team at Naughty Dog as the Sonic's butt game. Because it was, they were designing it as if it were a Sonic the Hedgehog level where you were staring at Sonic's butt the whole time. Okay, that makes sense. But also, I I have a hard time saying it's influential because it does feel more like the culmination of what 2D platforming had been doing. At I not one of things did that exact thing again, like that version of that 2D yeah, platforming. And it, it's really cool that it, 3D that, it, rather. that it did all of that that well. But it... it it, I don't I feel like the, it really inspired huge I think some of the level of design. The, yeah. I think the level design is what's probably more influential than anything. And some but of those you know, mechanics... That's true. And it stands that is up. true, because all through the entire life cycle of the 360 and PS3, we had nothing but corridors where you walked forward for the entire game. So that, that, that <laughs> makes a lot of sense. The, well, it's uh, hugely influential. I think uh, the corridor meta 
That's where I, we're gonna take. I it think away. why the word influential like <laughs> floats away for me is uh because when I think what's the thing most like Crash Bandicoot that came out after Crash Bandicoot, the answer is Jack and Daxter. But that was just another Naughty Dog game. Yeah, I mean, but the said the same could be said about um you know a lot of Nintendo products as well because they oh I don't disagree with that yeah yeah so I I. I do think that they're like some of the creative level designing in that game is really impressive. Um, for example, like some of the the water levels where you're going upstream and you're you're jumping between different platforms while also having to use some of the mechanics in the game to avoid some of the enemies. It's not the yeah. like the most influential or the most innovative, but it is certainly. Uh, to some degree, I believe influential in terms of level design and and it holds up. It holds up very well. Yeah. Um, I I I wouldn't put it at at the top of the list, like I said, but I do think that it had some influence into um, action adventure games for sure. Um, what else? Sorry, I, I gotta read through all the comments here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, FHM Sandwich, a good buddy of ours, and a good patron of ours said so there are too many games to name but some of what come to mind for me is super mario rpg which was one of the Mm. first rpgs i played which made me fall in love with turn base um you know something there's golden eye yeah there's golden eye which i remember my friend using a sound clip from it for his project in fifth grade also in the late 90s ff8 which is what made me fall in love with the epic stories of jrpgs um yeah, you know, I think he took this less of more, not um, what's more influential, but more of what he personally found influential for him, and that's fine. That's a direction to take it. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you could make ar- arguments, maybe not less so for Final Fantasy VIII as far well, as no, influential, they, but it influenced what two. you shouldn't do. Yeah. Um, well, I still love eight, but also it oh, kinda, so do I. It, it, it's it made, weird though. It made it were some missteps, but uh, Super Mario RPG. I think really brought the idea that you could use those sort of mechanics to tell a, any story, mm. in, um, which I, I think really was like that game. I love that game. Like it, it really did. Like we've seen, frankly, I mean, it's not the first one. Like we ended up with other weird, you know, quirky stories with stuff like out of the mother series. But I th- I think in the West, definitely Super Mario RPG kind of caught on a little bit more. I definitely I just miss would... a time where Nintendo was less precious with Mario. Yeah, yeah. And that really, I think, did a lot to kind of widen people's idea of what you could do with an RPG. Um, same thing. I meant to bring this up when we were talking about Doom, but with Goldeneye, the idea of stop and pop sort of combat for a first person shooter where it had the auto aim stuff which was kind of fair to middling but then also hey stop and you can find you can pull up a reticle the idea of again like aim down sight mode is just common in almost every first or first person shooter at this point and that's something that i think really was kind of brought to the forefront front with goldeneye um, because like the game was playable without using that. But if you really wanted to get the drop on somebody, okay, I'm going to make my way around this corner, then go into the, I don't remember what they called that 
aiming mode. I just game, call but... it. I would just call it like pull, pulling up the reticle. Yeah, yeah. I pull up the reticle and then headshot somebody. And yeah. it was. It was. It really did kind of. That was hugely influential to the first person shooter genre. And and, and MDK yeah. mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, where everybody was DK. That's the best way to play it. Who else is excited for Agent Sixty Four to come out? I am. That looks so good. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. That is a uh, indie Steam game that is. They are so brazen with the game they are making. They have literally called it Agent Sixty Four. Yeah, it's that it's, it's, tell me it's just a golden eye like. It's, they're, they're making, making a golden eye like. Oh, okay. That that tells me more. Gotcha. Yeah. I I think that's that's one of the things I would say would that was influential about Super Mario RPG, which is what you guys are talking about, is being able to just create wildly different games with their IPs. Like imagine, yeah, like imagine if they put Geralt in a fucking racing game and like just the zaniness of that. that if that happened tomorrow, I would not be surprised. Yeah. When being honest with you, yeah, but but. Sorry, going going back to it, like that that whole Earthbound slash Super Mario RPG. You you can tell whatever story you want with an RPG sort of feeling, is mm. something that we've seen be fairly influential, kind of almost its own genre of 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 uh, um, Undertale likes at this point. Of I call them whimsy RPGs. Yeah, yeah, and like, I really yeah, like, like them. exactly just whimsical <laughs> RPGs. Um, where they're using these mechanics to tell a story in a lot of cases. Like, it's it's not just a thoughtless, well, it's a game. Obviously, you shoot people in it, sort of a feeling, which half the time you get a game, and it doesn't feel like the story has fuck all to do with the mechanics. And in a lot of situations, I feel like these RPGs that are kind of influenced by Earthbound and Super Mario RPG and, and at this point, Undertale, because you, you, like, you can't just ignore that, it's it's such a big part of the game. Like, what what does how I'm playing this game say about the story? Mm. Um, and that's kind of filing it yeah. under games that have something to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, let's see what else. I we have one or two more comments really quick. I want to make sure I get to. Oh, Dabs Z twenty seven. Said for the Nintendo 64, it's GoldenEye 007, Mario Kart 64, and Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. They're all standouts. Mario Kart 64 has to be um, brought up there. Just because, yeah. like, I mean, I guess you could look at the SNES one, but I think Super Mario 64 is yeah. even Super Mario Kart more is, is... I love Super Mario Kart, yeah. but yeah, Mario Kart 64, like, gets that translation to 3D right in a way that wasn't a guaranteed thing yes. at the time. A, they got it right. B, the, just the four-person co-op, or not co-op, but like competitive modes. Yeah. That, that, frankly. Also, it was the first time we saw Wario in 3D and we beheld it and we said, oh my God. And I, we, we wept. It was, it was so For There beautiful. were no more worlds to come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all remember doing that. All of us. We all remember where we were the first time we saw Wario in 3D. Definitely. Wow! Didn't, didn't, I know, it didn't I work, did he? You, you beautiful boy. <laughs> but I think Mario Kart 64 is also 
it was a game that really, I would say, kind of revolutionized couch co-op and couch gaming as well. Because a couch co-op, yeah. not so much, but couch gaming in general, because it it's still a game to this day that people talk about like getting together and getting drunk and just having fun with. It was one of those games that really brought people together to game I think the together. The same is on true of Goldeneye. I think yeah, yeah, you could say that the, the same yeah. is true of Goldeneye, but I think that Goldeneye doesn't hold up as well in that aspect as compared to something like Mario Kart 64. Well, you have to play it in the mode where you're using two controllers and then it's perfect. <laughs> uh fair point. Yeah. But. No, but I I do think that that just the N64 having four controller slots was a big deal. I didn't um, have to buy me a multi-tap. Yeah. Anybody else just, own the multi-tap? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I do think that that was just easy enough. You want to play with a friend, you just bring your controller over. Um, oh, yeah, um, it was the best. Um, Yeah, yeah. The good old days. Again, things people take for granted. That was not a given. Absolutely. PlayStation 1 had two controller ports, and I bought a... <laughs> All of us, I'm pretty sure, are people who were the marks. I bought a very expensive peripheral that let me play Crash Team Racing with four people. Yeah, and because it was not... St- Frankly, the PS1 is kind of where gaming went wrong in a lot of ways. Because it launched oh, early. Damn. No, 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 no. Like, honestly, it was, it was a fucking console that does what AAA games do at this point. It released in a state that was not where the console ended up. Analog. The 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 dual analog controller was not standard on the PS1, and most games, even till the end of that game, couldn't actually rely on anyone to have analog controls. You could not play Ape Escape if you were poor. Yeah. Well, not just that, but like even a lot of a lot of other games had to be made in a way that the D-pad would get you through the whole game. I you appreciate rely on the thumbs. But some did, and yeah. I appreciate the ones that were not cowards. Like okay, Ape Escape. Yeah. They were like, sorry poor kids, guess you're not playing this. Well but it worked better because of that. Like it just the control yeah. wise, they knew what you could do with it and they did better stuff because of that. Um you come over to my house before we were a multi tap household, uh I owned one uh dual shock and one controller that fucking sucked. Guess which one you were using. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, like so much of that is, you know, problems with the gaming industry. And it's it's that's not even just a PS1 because it was much more pronounced in that case because they had a completely different controller at launch than by the end of the console. But the N64 had an expansion pack for it if you wanted to play like three games at the end of its life cycle that needed more RAM. Um But that was about it. And we, we've, we've mm. kind of seen that expand throughout gaming. <clears throat> Thankfully, it skipped the, the generation after that. The PS2 and the GameCube had expansion slots that were used for a single game each, but, like, right. they didn't, didn't fucking matter, whereas they were important, especially in the PS1, because of analog was such a big change. From the from the mm-hmm. base version that did not have analog sticks, um, and then we see all the fucking half gen upgrades now, where it's <sighs> I'm fine with that as an idea, if we just get rid of the whole generation 
nonsense, period. Like, and, and just make it more PC like, like upgrade a component. Not happening. You need to. No, it's not going to happen. But, like, anyway. Anyway. It'd be nice if it did. Yeah. It just, it, like, it, it yeah. Mm. Feels like they're nickeling and diming you with a lot of this stuff. Like, oh, you, like, yeah. Which I know is what they're doing regardless. I just don't want it to feel like that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, because it's so blatant. Hide it a little. Exactly, yeah. Use a little showmanship. Kind of zhuzh it up. I, I, like, make, make, make me feel like a special lady. Barnum and Bailey this shit. Mm-hmm. Who is Barnum, Rich? He's one of the circus folk. Are you fucking around on me again? P.T. Barnum? Are you fucking, are you fucking this P.T. Barnum? It's Wolverine. I, no, that's a musical and it's bad. Um, <laughs> it's amazing it's when you're drunk. I, it's amazing, most things are amazing when you're drunk, but I don't like any piece of media that paints P.T. Barnum out to be like some artistic hero. This is a lot of, <laughs> How did a, we get a here? lot of big talk from someone who loves the room. Yeah, it's one of the greatest pieces of art ever made. But not on purpose. <laughs> that sounds an awful lot like the greatest showman to me, Rich. I don't know. I don't uh, know what you're, what distinction you're somehow making in that mind of yours. That I don't want to talk about the greatest showman anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying they're the same movie, is all. That's all he's saying. I could see some connections. <laughs> Like, despite Hugh Jackman being the star, that movie has the same level of performances. But I love the room Hugh is, Jackman. There's, they both feature scotchka, uh, you know, a mix of vodka and scotch, which is a totally real drink. Mm-hmm. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, on that note, let's go on break. Yeah, man. It's like we've been talking. It's already an hour and a half. Goddamn. That's right, girl. It's true. It's true. That's right, girl. I think all our games this week are little baby girl games, so it'll be fine. Okay. Well, we'll be right back with our video games, so stick around. This Sunday, Sunday, at the Four Seasons Total Landscaping Arena, Sunday, Monster Truck Rally. That's right. There are going to be lots of bitches, lots of big tough guys, Sunday, yours truly, down there at the Monster Truck Rally, and we're going to be wearing Chop Gear, store.swordshop.com, store, you can buy lots of nice gear and t-shirts, so when you fuck your bitch in the bleachers, you have something to look at, raw dogging it, oh baby, no condoms, because we don't sell those yet. That's right, and if you look up at your sword chomp clock, you'll know how fast you came inside of her. C-U-M. That's right. Here, let me tell you about my friend Dale. He's going to tell you more about the store.swordchomp.com. Dale, take it over. I tell you, I went on over to store.swordchomp.com, got myself a t-shirt, got myself a hat, got myself something for my dog. It's a good deal. That's right, Dale. That's right. 
So if you're interested in repping your favorite podcast while watching a bunch of trucks slamming into each other, head over to store.swordshop.com. Store.swordshop.com. This Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. I like titties. We're back from our break. Sorry about that. We took an extended break. As if you'd know, that's what we did. Because um, you wouldn't. But now we're going to talk about some video games. Because that's what we're here to do. So first we're going to talk about Zell. Um, a game that is has nothing to do with Cell's twin brother from Dragon Ball Z. Mm. Yeah. Just true. Um... This is a smaller indie game that I've been kind of been watching for a while. Um, hmm. That is a top-down action-adventure sort of a game, sort of Zelda-y feeling, but with a sci-fi um, setting to it. Hmm. Um, I've only put in about an hour into it so far. Um, okay. So still, still fairly early on. Um, I'm I'm kind of withholding judgment on how well the level design is going to be so far because in the early section of the game you wind your way around a map over and over kind of unlocking new areas with you know minor upgrades like, okay, I've got a sword now. I can cut my way through these barriers. Uh, but from the actual functionality of it, it's a single path. You're just kind of zigzagging your way around the same map over and over again to actually accomplish it. But there's, there is only ever one correct path from that opening, the opening hours of it, which feels better than if you were on just a single path, just a single corridor like we were talking about <laughs> earlier. <laughs> yeah. But also, once you recognize how they're railroading you into the one spot, it, it it's I've I've seen this enough to understand. Like, okay, there's there's only the one path. You're just you're making this is for my benefit. You're you're trying to make me feel better about being on this one path by mm. by kind of you know gating it behind a key, um, sort of a thing. Um, I'm curious if it's going to open up more or if it's going to be more along that style because. There are some Zelda games that just do this, uh, and they're extremely good at hiding the fact that they are. There's one path through this dungeon. Um, yeah. Um, like it, it feels much better than that as far as how well they hide that fact from one game to the next. But at least to me, this felt fairly blatantly obvious in the opening hours that, okay, I'm just going through the same section a few different times, but with, you know. I can open this door now, sort of a feeling. And then right. I just go on a loop and come back. Go on another loop and come back. Um, gameplay itself still feels pretty tight. It, you know, it's kind of g- generic swing a sword, hit bad guys type uh, thing so far. Um, but I've got different equipment slots. Eventually seems like I'm... It's, it's, it very much seems inspired by Zelda from everything I've seen so far. Um, so much so that the lead protagonist has amnesia. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, (laughs) That's what I just read about. 
it is it is very it very much feels like it speaking of 90s games uh here it is. Here is '90s the video game. Um, I was gonna say Zell. '90s the video game. Um, I'm enjoying it so far, but I kind of see what they're doing. I'm, I'm. The story's been good enough to make me feel like okay, it, it's it's fine. Like, um, there's full voice acting for everything so far, as far as like you talk to any random townsperson, whatever. The the last thing I've gotten to so far is I've gotten into a town and it seemed more open than I've seen so far. Uh, mm. And so I'm kind of curious if that open section was way more linear than it's going to be. Um, at, hope, hoping yes. Hoping that they are going to give me a little bit more freedom moving forward instead of, you know, you don't want people screwing around too long until you get to the main crux of, of of what the game is about and which right. kind of leaves you with a couple options either either put that right up front and some people are going to be overwhelmed or like you've got different solutions to this problem but all of them kind of come with their own pitfalls uh so far it seems like railroad the intro is is the solution they've chosen on this one um mm. which is not my particular favorite solution Depends to that on how long you do that for yeah. like that can be effective but if that idea overstays it's welcome yeah and i've been playing for about an hour so that that's not you and playing for about an hour you could get through there in, in less than that if you weren't also just kind of screwing around and and seeing what you can do with game systems and whatnot if you were just like okay there's a path i'm gonna follow it just go with it and and, and go from there i i don't think it overstays it's welcome as long as, from where I'm at so far, they kind of don't go back to that. Because, again, kind of like, some of the Zelda games do go back to that for almost every single dungeon. Um, hmm. That was... that was, when, they're, when they're introducing the mechanic of their item, sometimes, yeah. Yes, yes. But, uh... Hopefully it doesn't fall into that pitfall. Yeah, well, and even if it does, hopefully the the those different item mechanics are interesting enough on their own right that it is fine at that point right. even um like it, it it very much seems like it's in in the zelda framework i i've passed areas so far on my way to this first town where like i need a hook shot for here like just blatantly like there's there's a gap and there's a fucking thing sitting on the other end that looks like you know an item I've never seen anywhere else before. It's it's a hookshot point. Period. Like that. That's it. Like this is. It's it. Zelda seems to be the major influence to this game so far. Oh, and, for sure. And for and sure. I'm I'm I've I've been enjoying. You know that sort of gameplay in a sci-fi setting so far. That's that's you don't see a lot of that. Um, mm. However. It also seems like they're kind of falling into a lot of the pitfalls that that game series has also fallen into in the same amount of, frankly, I mean, with that many games, of course, they're going to, you're going to hit them occasionally. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far just because I'm a really big Zelda fan, but I also see how it's not. 
it's not really exceeding the source material in a lot of ways other than the setting, at least so mm. far. So it, it, it seems like one of those things that if you're not a Zelda fan, this is not really going to do anything to change your mind. But if you are, this, yeah, check out, check out Zell. Um, I, you know, I was curious about like reading about it because it looks very beautiful. It looks like a visually stunning game, but mm-hmm. also it has middling scores and reviews. So I, I was a little bit curious as to why maybe that is, but I like I don't think you're saying it's a bad game because obviously you're no no no, no. In. Yeah. seems a little rough around the edges, but that doesn't necessarily equate to bad. Yeah, no, so. no. This this feels very much like a top-down Zelda, almost almost in a lot of ways of that sort of the Capcom's you know, like game Game Boy type genre. Is, mm. is a lot of the feeling I'm getting, which that's cool. Like I love a lot of those games. Some of those are some of my favorite Zelda games. However, they've always been fairly limited in what they do. Um, and I don't feel like I've gotten enough time to know whether or not this game is going to feel limited in a lot of the same ways. Um, so far, it seems like they're kind of, Yes. Yes. Seems like the answer right off the bat. And mm. like you were saying with those middling reviews, a lot of people may have seen what I've seen given up. Um, you're going to kind of know whether or not this is something you want to put more time into, I think fairly early on. Um, but just given me as a gamer, I, I'm definitely going to put a lot more time into this, see where it goes. And, you know, as a gamer TM. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it, it speaks to me more personally than as like you know, objectively, uh, is as far as like what I want to really put some time into. Um, sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. I it's, fairly cheap too. I'm thinking about checking it out as well. Yeah, no, no. Uh, like the the sci-fi it's like space. Twelve bucks. Uh, that sounds right. That sounds right. Uh, I think it is it only. On, I'm gonna, I think I'll, it's I'll, ver- I'll verify that. Yeah, it's I think fifteen dollars on, on the Switch. Currently. It's twenty percent off on. Is it on Steam Switch right now? Is it on Switch? It is on Switch. Okay, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's on sale. For, marked down from fourteen ninety nine to eleven ninety nine. Uh, until yeah. the end of this week, which uh, you may may not is the end of this week as of uh, the nine the nineteenth. So, so yeah, yeah, that'll as, still be on sale for. Uh, it, 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 the last day of the sale should be the day this episode comes out. Yes, yeah. So if that sounds interesting to you. Check it out, but it's, sci-fi Zelda is something that just speaks to me. Just kind of that, that's something we've not gotten a lot of. Like sci-fi Zelda is something we get with if like you knew Beyond Good much, and Evil is kind of you know the how much trash other concept example. art there is on the internet of sci-fi Zelda. Yeah. and when I say that, I mean literally Zelda games with a sci-fi edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I'll 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 give you more info on this in the coming weeks as to whether or not it kind of I may pull the trigger before the sale ends. Ex- expectations or is just what I kind of expected to be at this point. Hmm. But also getting it on Switch is tempting knowing it's on there. Oh yeah, yeah. Also a good point. Yeah. Well, there you go, Zell, for now. For now. For mm-hmm. now. Next, we're going to talk about Mothman 1966. Mothmen. Mothmen. Excuse me, Mothmen. Yeah. Um, 
1966. This is something that I've been keeping an eye on on Steam for a while. Um, the selling point of this game, which I'm very into, is like we made a like horror pulp novel into a video game, and it captures that aesthetic very well. It also kind of grabs the aesthetic of like almost like the Apple II era of games, like oh, visually. Yeah. It's very much like that like last Apple II version of Oregon Trail. Um, mm. Yeah. So, yeah. but but it is very much that like very '80s era pulp novel horror where um, I'm, uh, I want to say a little bit under an hour or so into it, um, and kind of my push on it is like jumped in purely for like the art and the selling point of pulp novel video game, and am now very engaged in the story, which is good. Like the story is there, the writing is good. Um, you're jumping between the perspective of three different characters. The game is, if it wasn't obvious from the title, set in 1966. Um, and you were jumping through the perspective of three characters. Uh, the first two are Lee and Victoria, who are college students um, driving out to like a small area, middle of nowhere, Virginia, uh, to see a meteor shower. Um, and the third is a gas station attendant named Holt out in sort of the same area. And the some fucking Mothmen start showing up is what happens. Uh, men in black suits trying to keep things hush hush. Government conspiracies, monsters roaming the wilderness. Uh, and then there's a whole lot of adventure gamey stuff that happens in between to just kind of, you know, hit you with that video game part. Aside from basic dialogue choices as you sort of work through the, the pulp novel story. Um one of my favorites, and it's so mundane and so dumb, but I think it's, like, actually good set dressing for establishing who this character is. One of the first interactive bits where you're playing is Holt. Um, he goes to one of the shelves in the gas station, and it gives you the perspective of the shelf. And there's three shelves and three different items scattered across them. And it doesn't tell you what to do. What you do is you pick up the items and move it so there's only one type of item on each shelf, and then Holt goes, good, everything as it should be. And it's built that way, I think, based off things he says before and after, to sort of give you the perspective, and I'm wondering if this is going to pay off somewhere, that Holt has, like, insane OCD. Okay. Um, which is an interesting way to frame a story, because the way the color palette is used makes it obvious what you were doing, but they don't spell it out for you. Hmm. Um, and then there's a lot of situation, situational stuff that the type of game this is in the era it's reflecting, if this game had actually been made in that era, this would be much more tedious and probably annoying as shit. But there are a lot of very old adventure gamey interactions where it's like, oh, you did the wrong thing and now you're dead. Mm. And in a game that was made in the 90s, you would probably just have to start over. But in this game, it goes, hey, you fucked that up. Want to try it again? And you just go right back to two yeah. minutes ago and just give it another swing until you figure out what the solution actually is. Yeah, I love that. yeah, I love that. That's funny. Save scumming used to be a thing, not because you were now trying it's a to mechanic. optimize the game, but because you, your alternative was literally restarting the game. Yeah, yeah. But the yeah, the early example of where I first discovered that is there is a section as Lee where. I got out of my car on the highway because I hit something, which is not a thing you should do in the middle of the night in an empty highway, but this is a horror story, so I was like, I'm going to get out of the fucking car. Uh, <laughs> and then I was surrounded by coyotes, 
and you kind of have to keep making noises and banging on the car to distract the coyotes. What I didn't realize was you could fully get the coyotes off the screen, not just a good distance away from you. So before they were all gone, I hit the run to the car button and the game was like, yeah, they all fucking mauled you. You're dead. (laughs) And I was like, huh, wow, this game's shorter than I thought it would be. I haven't even seen any Mothmen yet. <laughs> but yeah, or Moth I, women for that matter. Exactly, no Moth well, Moth women yet either. Um, but this is very much a stylized visual novel. Like that's what it is. It makes mm. no qualms about this. It costs nine dollars. It's on Steam. I think based off it's, the description I've given, you'd know if it's for you. I'm very much enjoying it. It's also on PS4, Xbox, and Switch as well. Oh, is it? I did not think this was a console release. Yeah. Oh, or at least that's what it's saying online. I didn't check, so you're you were probably correct if that's so what it Nintendo says. Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One, Linux, Xbox Series X, X Xbox Series S. All the this, things. This would probably be something super fun to sit in your uh your bed and play on the Switch, like you're actually reading a pulp novel. Yeah. I really like the visual presentation of it. It it's incredibly nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you like, said with the Apple II, it's got a, an awful lot of that sort of well, we know how to make one-bit art, so there's tons of dithering, but also there's colors. Yes, uh, there sort are, of Apple II feel to it's it. Very much the Apple II vibe to me. Yeah. But what, like, the thing is, like, that was a limitation. Then when you're working with that as your style, especially when your genre is pulp horror, oh, uh, I think it adds a nice layer to it, and it looks really good. Uh, it's got really good music um, that is very of the era as well. Uh, it's not too long, from what I understand. I'm definitely going to see this through the end i will probably be done with it before the next podcast and i really like it cool all right yeah i was curious about that title because it's a weird ass title yeah i i actually i already bought this as well so this is something i've been i've been wanting to play once you once you told me what <laughs> yeah, it was i brought it up to you the other day i was like jo- i was very excited to start it and i was like josh would probably also enjoy yeah this. yeah i bought it but i've not started it yet but that sounds great like even it's even past what you told me in in chat Already, yeah, now knowing a little bit better. more, it's really fun. It's really fun, and the thing that makes you know whether or not it's going to have legs is I think the 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 story and character writing are pretty good. Mm. Yes, is 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 this, is this another Hello another way to tell if it's going to have Johnson? legs is if you look down. Joint. Uh, I believe I don't remember the name of the studio. I believe this is their first game. No, studio. no, no. I meant, I meant the writer because. Oh, that's a good question. Not Johnson, Nelson. Sorry. Let's see. Johnson is his porn name. I don't think this is him. I don't believe so. No, no, there's he's 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 done writing on so many games at this point, from triple A to indie that it but seemed I, like something he would have been involved in, but I'm hoping that this studio, that their thing just ends up being, we make video games in the aesthetic of pulp novels. And when I say that's what they're doing, it's not even a dramatization because like the key art they put out for this game is like a coffee table with a paperback on it. That is the cover of the game. I love that. Oh yeah. I love that a lot. That's cool. Okay, well, there you go. There's Mothman 1966. Mothmen, excuse me. Sorry. Plural. There's more than one. Spoilers. Mothmen 1966. Next, we're going to talk about a game from... What's their name? The Quantum Astrophysicist Guild. 
that is the name of the dev, um, called Freshly Frosted. Oh, yes. Um, it's a game Josh has been gushing about the past few days, and I know he's excited to talk about it. Yes, and th- this is another... Frankly, I think most of the games I talk about, you're going to know whether or not you want to play them from the description. Uh, Freshly Frosted is a puzzle game um, where you are making conveyor belts to run a donut factory. Hmm. Like like you may have been able to tell. Uh, with, with the conceit that this is all... The framing device is your 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 right off the bat. You're kind of given this intro voiceover of uh, a girl explaining how sometimes thoughts are just a little complicated, and she needs to sit and think. And she's looking at the clouds and imagining these problems as 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 if they were just a donut factory, something easier to run and be able to you know figure out these problems. So, you know, like the framing device is her sitting, staring at the clouds and imagining her problems as something else um, is kind of the idea. Um, I like that. That that premise reminds me of uh, the the cannery scene of what remains of Edith Finch. Like, yeah. just the premise. That's yeah. one of the most memorable parts of that game, too. Like, whenever people talk about that game, that's the first thing I think of. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it, it, it's fairly straightforward. Like, you'll get a problem and then... Uh, standard grid based put your shit here solve the puzzle sort of a Mm. concept but with you know you'll have conveyor belts and donuts yeah conveyor belts and donuts and with with uh essentially the conveyor belts are not there whenever the level starts you're given like donuts will come out from this tile uh and then you're supposed to deliver donuts to this other tile um and then, like in the top left, it'll tell you what the donuts should look like. Uh, like, okay, this we need frosted donuts for this counter. Sprinkled donuts. Yes. Like, yeah. send, send the sprinkled donuts ones here. S- send the ones with uh, with whipped creams and a cherry on top to this counter. Um, and then so you're it's kind of like you're building logic engines, but through the lens of making donuts. Yes, yes, and it kind of gets more complicated from there to the point where. Instead of, oh, you need to send this one to this particular counter, it's, you can send it to any counter as long as you get these particular donuts at the end. Like, we need these ones made. Sure. Um, so you get, you know, less constraints, but also it kind of, it, it's, it, it's a tougher puzzle because of that, because you're not sure. just, like, guided in the proper direction. Um the thing that kind of drew me to it was a the art style. It's just it's very calm. The color, the it's, color it's, palette's very bright and vibrant. Yeah, it's it's got a it's, very it's pastel esque. It's 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 like pastel, but not in a overbearing, boring way. way. It's not like just like it's not it's not aggressively pastel. It's got you a can lot think of, of pastel is like one note, but I think this looks a little more vibrant than that. Yeah, it, it like well, it, it, again, it kind of leads into that looking at clouds sort of aesthetic. Like it, it feels very much like that. Um, just that sort of staring into the sky, sky sort of a vibe. Um, and and it, like the, again, the big thing that drew me to it was the soundtrack. Um, 
it's it's very relaxing but also it's it's got a cool thing where like you're given a single track every game does this at this point it's it's not a new thing but like you know um a soundtrack that's you know synced to the gameplay experience sort of a feel Mm. to it where like you're given this really relaxing track and as you build the thing and then start the engine up it'll be more energetic and exciting um Mm. as you start this machine up and then everything falls into place um it's really good it's it's a really good soundtrack that kind of is is what convinced me to try it out um and also, it, it kind of does the job that the framing device gives you of this whole turn your brain off, think of something else, sort of just vibe out experience um, that I, 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 I need. Like, personally, I, that's one of the things I, I really get from puzzle games is the ability to just turn my brain off um, and just, just think about a very specific problem. Mm. Um, and this kind of, it's, I think it's funny that they made the framing device what I actually get out of puzzle games, which frankly, a lot of puzzle games don't do that. They're like, you know, really overly serious and whatnot. And this feels like what I actually get out of a puzzle game, uh, which kind of makes me happy in in a way. I like um, that though. I like that sometimes where it's like the world's about to end. So solve this chess like puzzle. Yeah, right? <laughs> like and this one's world. just very like very obvious like oh man, it's this has been a rough semester. Let's veg out, stare at clouds and pretend I'm solving, you know, a donut factory puzzle problem. Like 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 it's 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 just, it's silly. It's silly but in a way that kind of it feels like what I go to puzzle games Not for. Not everything needs to be a world-changing event. Sometimes yeah. we can just You're yeah. wrong about that, Rich. Exactly, and I, I really sound appreciate sound it for wrong. that. So, um, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been really enjoying it. And frankly, my kids have been enjoying it as well because, like I said, the music is great, so they'll, like, hear it on, especially my, my youngest will come in and he he likes solving little donut problems as well, so that's been Who fun. Wouldn't? Yeah, he's, he's. I do too. Yeah, so he's, he's he's a six year old, and he's he's been doing fine solving these puzzles. So these are not early on in the Tough. game. He's been solving these puzzles. I don't know how well he'd be doing throughout the entire game because it seems like there are plenty of extra puzzles that may be a little bit much for a six year old. But but you mm. know, like they start you out doable. So as of now, he's yes. capable. Yes, yes, as of like the first three boxes. They're they're the, the levels are kind of divvied up in donut boxes, like it you know, like it looks like dozen donuts. So like the like the first three dozen he's been doing okay with. Um This whole conversation has just done nothing but make me fucking hungry. Right? That's I'm I just want donuts now. Hungry it, baby. It 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 uh that that was my nickname in college. Hey, here comes come. Hungy Baby. <laughs> Look, it's Hungy Baby. <laughs> Everybody put your food away. It's Hungy Baby. Hungy Baby, what are you doing? Hey, Hungy, did you turn in your homework yet? No. All right, this, this bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, the bit is... I don't know why that reminded me, but I had a... Uh, a, a, a you left report. the prostitute in the trunk again? 
Well, no, that was that was a different story. Um, oh, okay. But, but speaking of going back to college there, I had a report due for one of my classes, and I made a video report instead of the standard thing. And this mm. is... I, I'm an old... Uh, an elder millennial here, here, folks. So you guys probably don't relate to this, but this is back in the day where video exporting would take half a week. Not my oh, time. Yeah. Um... Anyway, I did this whole video report for my thing and had started the export on it. Like, okay, I'm just, I'll, I'll have the file and then I can just play it from, from class. The mm. file was not ready by the time the report was due and I had to unplug my computer and just bring the entire thing because you could still preview the video project, just not in an exported form. I had to unplug my computer and drag the whole thing my I carried my entire computer. And this, this, this computer is a desktop computer. Back then. Yes, this is a desktop computer that I brought into class in order to turn in a report because I had a video report that was not done exporting at the time. Um, that is amazing. Yeah, I had to carry that fucking desktop PC across campus in order to turn in my report. Fun um, times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's good shit. Mm-hmm. Now I want donuts, though. Still, <laughs> donuts are good. By the way, those fucking cinnamon roll pancakes I had yesterday, yeah, brutal. I'm never Oof. eating those again. Man, I knew when you said that. I'm not. Uh, I'm more of a savory breakfast guy, anyway. Mm. But I have like a friend. He's one of those people that orders all these like super sweet specialty pancakes, and I'm like, bro, how? Like, I can't live like that. It's too much. I yeah. mean, usually, usually, I'm that kind of person. Orders the sweetest drink. Orders the um, you know, my I I order the sweetest of foods, and uh, we sat down and made those, and they're really delicious. But there was so like the, the recipe, the, what we made it with, called for too much icing, and I even doubled the amount of pancakes. That's the crazy thing. But there was still too much Ooh, icing. Fuck. And so I go to the dentist to um real quick afterwards to get my new mouth guard. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's not a joke. States. I really did go to the dentist. That was. Yeah. <laughs> That wasn't a joke. Um, yeah, no, we, we, don't, right we can't afford dentists here in the States. Nah. My dentist works out of a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. No, I pay for dentists for my kids, but uh, yeah, nah, nah, maybe next decade, maybe, maybe <laughs> 2030 sometime I'll go to the dentist. Good, good I, idea. I'll save up for it. It'll, it'll be good one of those idea. things, yeah. Yeah. So I go get my mouth guard, and uh, I, I sleep with a mouth guard because, you know, I'm getting old and I grind my teeth. Yeah, yeah, no. Huh. As one does. But anyways, so I come home and I'm like, dude, I'm f- I'm fucking sleepy. And she's like, I am too, my girlfriend. We took a three hour. Well, I did. I took a three hour nap from that breakfast. She took a fucking five hour nap. She was so tired from yep. eating all that sugar. Yeah, sure. Dude, I, I had I, like I've never had this happen before. I woke up and I'm sweating so profusely. I'm like, is this sugar sweats? What the fuck is going on right now? Yep. I felt like I was fucking hungover. It was weird. After that, I was like, "No more cinnamon roll." Sugar, pancakes. sugar will do that to you. You'll you'll get you'll get the the nap sweats and the uh, the the foamy piss. It'll uh yeah, sugar will do that to you. You're getting to that age. You know what? Uh, you know, know what I had for breakfast that same day. You had those pancakes that were too sugary. What I would recommend to you, I had um an egg and brisket burrito. That sounds good. It was very that sounds good. real good. 
Okay. That that sounds like a proper use of brisket. I'm I'm is I'm it, I'm a, I'm I'm a brisket is an abomination unto barbecue, but it it has its purpose. Brisket mm. can be good. Yeah, brisket br- can be brisket's quite good. not purely bad, but fucking Texans think that brisket is barbecue, and it's it's not barbecue. Brisket is brisket. No, t- honestly, this is the way I. This isn't like an everyday meal, but like I occasionally get this from a deli near me. They have an egg and brisket burrito. That is fucking phenomenal. Mm. Yeah, this this is this is a side effect of me being a Carolinian. But barbecue is pulled pork. Period. End of, I do like, like pulled pork. That's that's pulled that's pork it. Is good. Like if you're not cooking the whole pig, you've fucked up barbecue. That just that's, that's just plain and simple. That's. If if you start with a cow, if you start with a chicken, you are not making barbecue. I'm from New York, so for me, barbecue is uh, when people from the South yell at me for no reason. That sounds about oh, right. like right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh man, I would love some real delicious barbecue. Oh yeah. I couldn't get barbecue to... in, in Michigan. It was it was a, I couldn't get barbecue. I couldn't get Mexican food. Food there. You'd think you'd at least be able to find Mexican, but there was no actual Mexican. There was, there was, if you squinted, you could call it Tex-Mex, but it wasn't even Tex-Mex. I I don't know what it. <sighs> It was hot dish. Tex that got Mex, a little more like Tex Mess. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> got him. Speaking Fucking of mess, let's clean burn. up this mess of a bit with uh, talking about the next game, Power Wash Simulator. Yeah, oh, yeah. baby. Uh, Come on, give it, good good transition. That was good. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, That's my one credit I want for today. My dudes, Power Wash Simulator finally hit one point <laughs> Mm-hmm. Everyone rejoice! It's on Game Pass now. Um, it has been a long time since I went back to Power Wash Simulator to see how it's shaping it up, and boy, does it feel better than ever! Does it feel There's, like a stream of content now? It does feel like a stream of content. Uh, <laughs> it, it. Uh, I actually spent like an, a good hour and a half uh, before we did the show today. Playing the level where you have to power wash that entire backyard. Yeah, there. It's. Uh, I didn't even finish it because it's got like one percent left on two random objects, and I'm like, "Where's the dirt?" Um, for anyone who's never played Power Wash Simulator, it is a game where you power wash things, and you have like Assassin's Creed Eagle Vision, but for dirt. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, love it, that. It, it's it's literally that. Yeah. I'm. Not, um, um. It's funny. I saw that uh, Power Wash Simulator and Escape Academy hit 1.0, and I went to buy both of them on Steam. And I'm like, yeah, let me, let's check Game Pass. And they, they were both, both on there. Game Pass. They were yeah, both there. Both I literally had both of them in my cart and was about to click the checkout button on Steam. And I'm, you know, it's like, yeah, nagging feeling. They're, they're both on Game Pass. Yeah. Uh, I've been playing a bunch of Power Wash Simulator, Escape Academy, I also want to get to. That game is just the most relaxing thing in the world, like throwing a podcast. Yeah. I don't know if either of you guys have ever used a power washer in real life, but it is it oh, is yeah. such power like you have not it's known. It's fun. 
it's, 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 it's yeah. too much fun. Yeah, it's too much fun, and it translates really well to a video game um, in which the objects you're cleaning just get larger and in some cases stupider. Uh, yeah. Like one of my favorite things is the bonus level in Power Wash or Power Wash Simulator is you are washing uh, the Mars rover on Mars. <laughs> uh, just all these different power settings, all these different unlockable nozzles and different types of soap because you can change the angle at which you're power washing, which gives you yep. more zoning, but less pressure. So sometimes the dirt's on like an object so deep, you're like, I need to switch to the precision nozzle. And sometimes a level takes forever, but you don't care. That backyard level, I'm not done with it. I've been doing it for two hours. I don't give a shit. That game is fun <laughs> as fuck. It's so simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I don't know. I really like Power Wash Simulator. I think if you have Game Pass, you should go check it out. It's really cool. Absolutely. That's speaking of which, that's another co-op game. You can you can I, you can get a I group never of friends that together. Was I think, but yeah, I think we should do some four? of that together. I yeah, think it is up, up to four. four players can get into a level I was doing, co-op uh, and just power wash the shit out of something. We, we should do some of that together, Josh, solely because I like the idea of being like, all right, I'm going to tackle the doghouse. You get the shed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love and then, that. Uh, oh, a favorite feature. I don't remember if this was in there the last time I looked at this game, but it is a great feature. When you finish a level, it makes you a time-lapsed video from third person of you oh, cleaning the level. I. I don't remember that, but it's been a while since I've I've dove into the like the early access version of it. Um, yeah, yeah, I do enjoy that. I do enjoy the time lapse. Yeah, but that's out everywhere for twenty five bucks, and it is also on Game Pass. It, it yes, it is on Game Pass, and a a great way kind of a it's it's great solo just to kind of relax, veg out, and and relax. But, but also, I think it's a great co-op for the same reasons. It's something you can kind of just sit just, around we can and sit talk. Bullshit and be like, I'm gonna get the fucking playground, you get the yeah. house. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect for that. It's perfect for just kind of shutting off enough of your brain to be able to relax and 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 there's something yeah. so satisfying about watching that dirt melt away as you power wash these very oh, dirty so objects. Good. So good. Hmm. That's cool that it's on Game Pass, though. Easier, easier uh, st- starting off point, I would say. Yeah, it's an easier yeah. selling point because I feel like I always have to preface it when people are like, what are you playing lately? Like, because, you know, people in my life ask me this about games because they know I do this. And I'm like, all right, hear me out. Power Wash Simulator. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, when you, when you put it on, on the list uh, today, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Shay, it's so good. Like, uh, download it on Game Pass. Give it a shot. There's something so cathartic about it. It's so good. Yeah. Here's here's what I'm gonna say. Um, I can't remember if it was the first time ever or the first time in a really long time. But last year, in the fall, um, one of one of my coworkers at my old job left out a leaf blower. They were clearly using it Ooh, uh, to clean up. That's satisfying the too. Junior high school, uh, school outside area. And I saw it, and I was like, I have nothing to do. I'll go use it for a few minutes and help out. And I was just fucking doing it for everything. I was, like, blowing every little fucking piece of non-desirable thing off the sidewalks, shooting it at students, shooting it in my own face. You know, like, goofing off. That sounds really dirty. Um, 
And then, and then I shot it in my own face. Yeah. No, that man, fucking leaf blowers are fun. Power washers, also fun, as it turns out. Way more dangerous. <laughs> yeah. You could can can totally actually take flesh off. Do, you could do some real fucking damage with a power washer. Yeah. For sure. Um Yeah. But I could see like playing a video game form. It's a little bit less risky to somebody. Yeah, no, but it is one of those games you can full on turn off for. Like that is that's my MO with that game is like I kinda just want to listen to a podcast or something right now. So I'm just gonna like put on the podcast and power wash some virtual vans or something. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah, have to do that today when I'm watching the back half of the boys. Dude, oh yeah, it'd be perfect I, I for would that. highly recommend that. Turn the volume down a bit because it's mixed very loudly. So what I mean is the power washer itself is yeah, very like loud. turn on the sound effects some. Yeah, the turn power down the sound effects louder. volume to like ten percent. Okay, okay, I'll have to check that out. I um, what was I gonna say? I I hope there's a secret level in the game where you just have like a firing line of Nazis, and uh, you just power wash their flesh off. That would be a you, cool hidden you, level. No, you wash them and they turn into angels. Mm. That'd be nice. You're like, I got all the grime off. Man. They weren't Nazis at all. They were Buddhist monks. I don't know. <laughs> Better yet, you know, you, you power wash them and then they just become normal, decent, functioning members of society. But that's like, you know, that's just it, man. Like, well, it's... I'm, I'm saying that maybe they'll they work at your local supermarket. <laughs> Holy Josh, or like... They work at a nice desk job oh speaking of desk uh, job they just look like you and me yeah, yeah. no you power wash the, all that nazi paraphernalia off and underneath they're just just regular old cops just white guys <laughs> <laughs> aperture desk job <laughs> aperture desk job god damn it uh <laughs> I even had a, a decent, tra- not as good as the last transition, but decent. And uh, yeah, Josh, what's aperture desk job? Oh my god! Uh, tell me about your Steam Deck game. Yes, yes. No, Apers. Fucking hell, man! I ruined myself. Um, aperture desk desk job is desk the com. is the is the Astrobot rescue mission for the steam deck like it 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 is the here here are all the features that this new console can do um Uh, sort of experience i gotta Um, tell you really quickly i was reading the the description of this and my mind did something very cruel let me read to you the description and then go ahead hopefully you can see where i made where my mind made the mistake Aperture Desk Job is a Valve created tech demo set in the expanded universe of the Portal series. Mm-hmm. Similar to Aperture Hand Lab, it is designed to showcase a gaming control scheme. I see where the problem happened. I saw Aperture Hand Job. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, bro, I love Aperture Hand Job. Yeah, uh, I was like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Yes, yes. Um,. This, this, I love that they say the Portal universe and not the Half-Life universe. I mean, at this point, there are as many Portal games as Half-Life games, so it makes sense. Um, I suppose. But, yes, this is, this is the... Here, look at all the features that your Steam Deck has 
game. Of, I've of heard it's surprisingly cool for just being that. It is. It, it, it's only like a, it's like less than an hour sort of experience. But you it's can free, get, right? It's yes, it's free. I think you can play it without the Steam Deck, but it would be weird. It seems like that's wouldn't miss the point. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of. I mean, where you a, gonna get it's the, gorgeous uh, the, because the, the aperture hand job. If you're not playing on the Steam Deck, yes, deck, um, deck, Steam Deck. But yeah, like you're you're kind of given kind of given the the same sort of aperture is the half-assed Black Mesa of that universe yeah. uh, hmm. sort of feel. Like, uh, oh my god, the intro to this game Throwing is the Throwing signs at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yes, yes, the intro to this game is the funniest fucking thing I think they've done in that Portal universe. Um, where they give you this long intro, like, as they're kind of introducing you, like, you, you show up at your first day on the job, and the, the they're playing this thing for you with, with Cave Johnson, talking about how great... Oh, did J.K. Simmons return to do... J.K. Simmons did this? return to this, and it's J.K. Simmons God. doing this voiceover, talking about I, how you are the, the biggest genius of this universe, and how we've put all this money into making sure that you succeed and all this stuff, and you get, like, it's like doing this walkthrough of, like, the entire facility as you go through and get to your desk while he's explaining all this stuff. And you get to the very end, and the, the AI, like, orb shows up, like, like, like always, in a Portal game. And says, oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I put in the wrong tape. And he puts in the new tape, and J.K. Simmons is like, if this red light turns on, you're fired. Get to work. <laughs> amazing uh it's, it's just there's it's perfect i'm like, so glad to hear they got jk simmons to do vo because the best yeah. part of portal 2's writing is all of the cave johnson all the cave content. johnson bits with jk as simmons, someone yeah. who once owned the valve i think i paid like 80 dollars for it the cave johnson portrait that says a different line of dialogue when you walk by it uh oh best purchase of my life it no longer works it's in a closet somewhere uh, it's 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 a really good version of this, and this is something that I am, frankly, the 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 world's biggest detractor for. I I hate these goddamn tech demos that show off. Here's what this new console can do, thing. Um, I love them. I like I frankly I think that the Astrobot thing is just trash i um, love astrobot so much i like the vr hell. astrobot infinitely better than that garbage that's on the ps5 i fucking love that game um and like it's it like i get that the ps5 version is much more fleshed out and whatnot but like it's it works better on vr um but but even then both of them are just here look at this thing we can do sort of a feel to it but The writing on this is just excellent. I feel I feel like that that portal comedic writing is some of my favorite just deadpan comedy in gaming. It and, almost and, makes you go, why the fuck are we not making Portal 3? Yeah, yeah. And this this very much is the same note. The 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 AI sphere that you're given in this one kind of as your, you know, like, you know, like the main character that you bounce your off supervisor. of. supervisor? Yeah, yeah. Sort of, you know, like, like, uh, like Wheatley or, or Gladys. 
beforehand is a um sort of a southern gentleman sort of a feel to him naturally which is it's it's the funniest accent for an ai just to have to ha- um, yeah to be putting on the airs of like a it's well it's howdy so <laughs> yeah it's it's really good i like i i absolutely love the the comedic chops of these games and this is this is not missing a beat as far as that goes um i i think the comedy is the best part of it like the gameplay as far as that goes pretty dumb it's just it's straightforward here's what the buttons do you can talk into the the mic and it does this much you can use the touch screen to write your name to, like it's 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 very it's pathetic it's pathetic just like all of these but the comedy is so outstanding that it's just engrossing all the way through regardless. Um, yeah. Yeah. That being the case, if like the comedy is a standout, maybe it is worth just doing on the desktop. Just it might be. It might be whether you have a Steam Deck or not because the comedy is just That's great. the selling point. It is. Like, it really is. Like, I, I, think, I, I would love some more Cave Johnson comedy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, they do a great job of that uh, in this. Um, I'm Cave Johnson. I own if, the place. If, exactly. Like if if you think a Steam Deck is in your future, maybe wait to kind of experience that when you get it. But otherwise, like if it's not something you're looking forward to, like you can find it on Steam for free anyway. Uh, I'm sure it is in my future, but now is now, and who knows when later it will be. Exactly. Um Yeah, and I I I, I think this is a does a great job of kind of capturing that same sort of portal comedy feel to it um kind of just want to play portal 2 now yeah 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 it absolutely go play portal 2 again there's no reason not to go play it's on portal your 2. switch now mm-hmm. go play it there mm-hmm. it's one of the best places to play it actually uh they, they did a really good job with those portal ports from everything i've seen so port tolls mm-hmm. ultra applause Oh, Shay's back! Hi, Shay. Hey, what's up? Unfortunately, I came back at the wrong time. Yeah, that's fine. Did you want to talk more about your Steam Deck at all, Josh, or is that pretty much it? No, no, I, I do want to talk about that. Uh, okay. On its kind of on its own merits outside of this game. Yeah. Um, for the love of God, don't buy a Steam Deck. <laughs> is, is the is where this lands. Wow, uh, it is it is an overpriced PS4, is is where like point of fact. Um, wow. Uh, if you are looking into looking to get into the PS or into the PC space, there's there's something to be said about the amount of hardware you're getting for the money with the Steam Deck, mm. um, because. It, it 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 is really good for that. However, um, it's not a switch. It is you. You are not going to get fucking anything optimized out of the box to run on this machine. Uh, this is going to be something you will futz with to get it running 
at all. It's fairly buggy. From everything I've seen, it looks like they are slowly making a lot of progress with the the OS for it, but it is still a buggy system. Um, and it is an expensive buggy system. Spend half the money, get a Switch, is, is what it boils down to. Um, wow. I think it's probably use case in a big way, because, like, for me... I, not anytime relatively soon. I have every intention of getting one, but also I don't intend to use it to play any modern games. I intend to turn it into an emulation machine. Yeah, and I think that's what it kind of shines at, honestly. Um, like, I've played a few... I, I, I turned on Elden Ring, and honestly, it's one of the smoothest experiences of Elden Ring because it is the only goddamn console that has pre-compiled shaders because they haven't made pre-compiled shaders for any version of that fucking game, even any of the console ports, which fucking compile the shaders for this game. Jesus what, Christ, what is, guys. What does that mean, pre-compiled shaders? Just, shaders, I mean, like, shaders are how you handle a lot of the graphical effects that go on inside a game. Uh, so it happens a lot during, uh, like, spell effects. Uh, mm. not, not just that, but like uh, specifically a but lot it's, of spell it's effects. It's most taxing when you're having like particle effects and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and this specifically happens all the time in Elden Ring, where every version of that game, if you see anything new, the game will figure out how to render that when you see it. Which okay. means new enemy shows up, congratulations, enjoy your five seconds of lag. Um, because the game is yeah piecing that stuff together right now and figuring it out. Um, yeah, the Steam Deck version of it is the best version of that game because they pre-compiled the shaders to work on that console. Themse- Valve did themselves after the fact because it was a train wreck and they couldn't have it running that way on their console as well because that mm. five seconds of figuring out how to load this new thing would have turned into becomes 15 a lot seconds more on the Steam Deck on the yeah. Steam Deck which is unacceptable. Uh, it frankly was un- unacceptable everywhere else, but more so given the hardware limitations of this machine. Um, it's the best place to play Elden Ring. However, it, Elden Ring is not a game worth $600. Um, <laughs> Fair point. Which is kind of, I, I, I think what Most boils games down. games are not. Yeah. What kind of that's that's kind of the the deck in general. Um, frankly, almost every game I've noticed pre-compiles shaders in order for it to work at all on this machine. Like um, on on the, on the Steam OS, you get not just the download, like the standard download that you'd get on any other installer. Like if you download a game on Steam, it gives you content, and then it has a separate section that is shaders. Like, this okay. is the pre-compiled shaders thing. We're going to download those separately because we want the game to run properly on this, on this hardware. Right. Um, that's cool. It's something that's necessary for it to work at all. Mm. Um, it, it, I, I, I don't know who the fuck this console's for, is, is what it boils down to. It is... It is futzy. It is it is one of those things that like I've kind of gotten used to with PC gaming because the outcome means you get the best looking games by an order of magnitude. 
by playing right. on PC. Whereas on the Steam Deck, you're doing all that futzing to get 720p at 30 frames per second. Yeah, and like that's why I think I agree with Rich's comment earlier about how I think it is a great emulation machine because yeah, uh, uh, the, the my one complaint w- with the Switch I think would be um, one of my big complaints I should say would be that they do have all these indie games and they do have all these classic games, but you're you're nine times out of ten paying full price for them, and like you're paying for the portability of a game that you probably already own when you could just emulate it legally yeah. since you already own since that you game. already own it yeah right so i i mean like with it being an emulator system that makes a lot of sense to me to be able to turn the steam deck into yes. and, and this, it's cool this is, that you could have yeah. all of that on the go you know this is huge no no it, it is it is this is this is paying double the price in order to legally jailbreak your switch mm. yeah yeah that, that's, that, that, that's, that's it that that's that is the selling point of this um to me that that sounds right yeah it 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 i i i have been one of the few people who really likes the steam controllers and i really like that they are with the steam deck adding a lot mm. of that functionality they've got the dual track pads on the side there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with it yeah uh in order to f- have that extra functionality that's really cool um like it's got the paddles on the back which i think needs to be a much more standard feature in order to just give you buttons where you can use them on every mm. console there's a, there's a lot of stuff that's done right but it is such a futzy thing to get working um like like it's that's so it's it's not worth the money it is it is absolutely not worth the price of entry is is just kind of what it boils down to at this point Mm. um for for anyone it's a luxury item it, it is it is absolutely a luxury item um it's not portable it's too goddamn big the case they give you is larger than a backpack i don't know what in the fucking hell you would transport this thing it is not a portable system it is it is so goddamn big they give you a case with it if you buy the like one tier up from the base that is massive and massive and also fucking stupid it's got a indentation on the back that's meant to fit the charger and an elastic goddamn band that's supposed to hold the charger in Put a fucking zipper there, you fucking shits. Like, what in the Christ? And it doesn't even fit the charger. It sticks out from the fucking back. What in the fucking Christ is this case? Jesus Christ. My brother in Christ, what have you done? It, like, it, it, is, it is... I don't... I don't know how they shit the bed this hard with this machine is what... Like, it's... it's it is the best portable pc on the market and it's still a train wreck is is what this boils down to if you Mm. want a portable gaming system get a steam deck but for the love of christ don't try don't just just fucking don't um do anything else with your life (laughs) i like josh i haven't heard you be this angry in something in such a long time that i'm fucking loving this 
I like it when Josh can get this visceral, and then, like, my take is, like, I played around a little bit with Ray's. I thought it was neat. <laughs> uh, oh, that I was mean, the other thing I meant to mention. Uh, they have a subset of games that are, like, certified, as this verified. plays Steam all right Deck on verified Steam Deck. verified is the words they use. Yeah, yeah, Steam Deck verified, of which... Quite a lot of them literally crash on the loading screen. Uh, currently, uh, oh, Jesus Christ, what's that dog shit? Um, Prey like from last year. Uh, I don't remember. Death Loop. Death Loop currently oh. crashes on the like menu screen, but it's certified. On the Steam Deck. Um, that game's been a train wreck since launch. It's still a train wreck on this thing, but that's one of the certified games, of which about one a game. third of my games are certified. You can you can still download and install your, your other PC games on Steam to try them out, but they're not mm. guaranteed to work on this, and only about a third of my games are verified and like i said before not all of those verified games mean shit um if they'll still crash at the you know main menu like death loop so yeah that's problematic if it's if it's crashing like that damn i i don't i don't know what happened with this machine is if, frankly what happens it is it is not a switch it was billed as a switch but it's a pc they still don't have the dock. You have the option to just use a, P- a USB-C to HDMI adapter to just plug it into a PC and play it that way with a controller and whatnot. It doesn't work mm. great at that. Uh, the latest update to the OS makes it run a lot better at doing that job, but it is, it is not a just plug-and-play sort of a system like the Switch is. The Switch mm. will switch to running with the you know, power requirements that you have running off of a battery on a 720p screen to, okay, you've got, you've got to pull full power supply going into a 1080p resolution in docked mode. Like it does all, it does all that automatically. Uh, if you want to do that on the steam deck, it means going in and manually changing all your settings. Once you get into the game to run it in docked mode. Uh, it is, it is absolutely not a switch replacement. Like it it does nothing that the switch does to make your gaming experience streamlined at all. But I think that was clear. Like, I don't know the people who were perpetuating that because it certainly wasn't Valve. And like, no. from the minute I saw this thing, I was like, this is like hobbyist PC people shit. This is not. It, a... it is, it is absolutely that. This is, this is a, man, I f- really wish i could play pc games in my bed this is that is the steam deck is that 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 yeah. that is that is what the console is for it is i, don't think I it's anything really less... wish i could lay in my bed and play this game and it's i really wish i could take a shit and play this game and i won't argue over price but i don't think it's anything less than what they build it as like i don't think yeah. there's any deceit here if anyone was expecting more than what it is they have like fooled themselves because valve is yeah i don't no, think valve not, is pretending not this is anything that, less but... than it is 
Um, uh, anything more yeah. than it is, rather. But I, frankly, I think the reason they did not release the dock with this thing is because of a lot of those issues I've already talked about. There's a lot of work that needs to go into... Having the, it run as is before that stuff gets exacerbated by adding another yeah, peripheral yeah. into it, probably. Well, that's the thing. I think they need to do an awful lot to make that streamlining work. Frankly, I think they... Frankly, it's never going to get quite the same point because they put the USB port on the top of the machine, so you're never going to be able to just plug it in exactly like never the Switch. Why in the that. Christ did they put the USB port on the top of the machine? Um, like anyway. That's the thing. You look at the Switch, and you're like, yeah, the port's on the bottom. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, anyway. Like, how does that dock work then? Because I, I haven't seen the pictures of what it's supposed to be. I'm assuming then, like, it's got to, like, rest in the dock and maybe something from the back of the dock, like, plugs into the top. Like, what would you even be doing? Exactly. That's the point. Like, it's just, there's, <sighs> there's a lot of work. If you buy a Steam Deck now, you are beta testing the Steam Deck. That, like, that's period. That, it, you are getting the beta version of this machine. Um. If you want to do that, fine. But that's what you are getting into mm. at this point. Well, that was what I did with the Steam controller, but they never took it out of beta. Yeah. No, that's... Yeah, ex- exactly. The Steam controller was such a beta test that at one point they just changed the backing plate and were like, hey, do you want the new backing plate? Yep. And then they sent it to me. Doesn't that make you feel like a beta cuck? It's uh, true. No, but usually when my dad yells it at me is when I most feel that way. Whatever, soy boy. Thanks, Dad. Uh huh, Snowflake. You remembered me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, you know what? That was the most fired up I've heard Josh in quite some time, and I think I say that was that worth out. the price of admission for Josh. I think he <laughs> needed to get that out, man. I feel like Josh was pretty pent up today. Mm-hmm. And he's probably feeling better now after that. A <laughs> little better, a little better. Well, I'll I'll feel a lot better once I get my money back out of eBay for this machine. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, there you go. $600 to hear Josh fire one off, and I loved it. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Well, we're going to take one more quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to do the social media polls. So, please stick around for that little business. Psst, Shay! Shay, you there? Yeah, what's up? I don't know if Josh can hear us. I hacked into his edit of the podcast so we could plug the other shows. Quick, we got, you got you to tell me what kind of new shows we have on the horizon. What's going on? What's in the feed? Okay, so it was like I was saying to my friend the other day that freedom isn't free, bitch. That's a reference for no one, but that is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not why I'm here. That's not why I'm here. I'm here to tell you about new episodes of Evoking the Sublime. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that podcast that I recently got three new episodes up on. Yeah. Thanks for pitching that, man. Thanks for plugging that. No, I am legally obligated to. Well, I heard you got some episodes up on uh, Jumping at the Bits. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we got a new one up on Kirby, where we talk about all about his history, his first two games in depth, and his just general facts about him overall. Oh, oh shit, here comes Josh. Uh, Josh, we were just we were just telling the people about uh, Chomping After Dark and nothing else like you requested. Maybe, maybe you could tell them a little bit about that. Chomping After Dark... Yeah, yeah you, you remember that. In, yeah, you know that one. While I'm editing, how, how did you get here? 
It's not important. The point is, Chopping After Dark is a show where we spoil video games and sometimes movies. I heard we do comic books occasionally and TV shows, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Occasionally we do do those things. Yeah, and you said doo-doo. I did say doo-doo. It's funny because it comes from your butt. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, anyways, Josh, we'll let you get back to editing. Sorry about interrupting you. How did they even get into this edit? And we're back from our commercial break. Uh, it was a <laughs> it was a long and uh, uh, lengthy one. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Rich, why are you blurry right now? Why are you blurry, motherfucker? No, really, you are blurry. You know, the camera just fucking gave up over there. Yeah. Oh, it's probably because when I held the phone up, it probably, like, lost It refocused then... to your phone. And but then it... never focused back afterwards, yeah, probably. Yeah, no, no, that was, that was, that was all your camera could be asked to do at that point. Eh, whatever, the show's almost over, I'm not gonna fix it. Mm-hmm. You're just going to look like a blurry hot mess the rest of the show, which I'm okay. Oh, I'm just, there he is, there he is. I'm just going to set the lighting to flashing patterns in front of me so it confuses the camera more. I like how he says, I, I'm not going to fix that it, was and what two finally, seconds later he fixes it. That was what finally convinced the camera to focus. Hmm. I'm just trying to give myself a seizure. Fair enough. Let's do some social media polls. Um... Because that's what we like to do here at Sword Chomp. So you can vote on those every Tuesday at the Sword Chomp Instagram. And uh, I got a hot one for you guys. Skull and Bones finally got a release date. November 7th. What say you? Um, and 31% of people said, I be swabbing the deck. And 69% of people, nice, said, I be walking the plank. I don't know which one's the positive and which one's the negative. Well, swabbing the deck means that you're staying on the ship. You're hoping, you're hoping for good oh, things. Oh, okay, I guess. I suppose. I um, I'm, I I think I voiced this in our group chat cautiously optimistic. Like I don't expect anything of it, but this thing has been in such development hell. But like, if what it ends up being is like, we took Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which is my favorite Assassin's Creed. And just were like, people really liked the pirate game part, so we just did a pirate game. And, like, the delay that happened that was about three years or people were like, it went away, and then it came back, and it looks the same. N not really. I mean, it looks the same, but the difference is, three years ago, that was clearly a multiplayer-focused experience that was just, like, this online naval ship combat thing. Mm. They read the temp of the room. And we're like, this needs a lot of single-player content. Yeah. Mm. Like, I, I don't think it's going to be anything less than, like, that's eh, fine at best. But if it is that thing, then it could be fun. Yeah, it, it looks interesting, and I want it to succeed. Um, I did read that you're not going to be able to get on and off the ship as much as originally thought. But um, that's There okay. are ports where you kind of, like... My understanding is like upgrade or purchase new ships, and but like I'll, the main uh, crux of it is type of thing. Yeah, like the naval combat, uh, and there's a lot of different ships that act in different ways, and I think that's fine. I like that. That could be entertaining. I I want it to succeed. Do you think it's too late because of something like Sea of Thieves? I I think no, solely because from what they've shown, like. More so than Sea of Thieves, this seems like it's much more focused in the very intricate ship combat. Like, that's no doubt a huge element of Sea of Thieves. 
Mm. But I think it, it seems different enough. Like, if it fails, I don't think that's because of Sea of Thieves. Yeah, yeah, I think... Yeah. See, oh, I, I, I don't think that it would fail because of Sea of Thieves. I'm saying because Sea of Thieves is... Well, I guess it's kind of the same thing, I guess. Sea of Thieves well, is so well I, I don't established think sea at of, this point. Yeah, like, I don't think Sea of Thieves is eating its lunch. Like, I don't think the player base it would attract would be people that are leaving Sea of Thieves for this, right? I see what you're yeah. saying. I see what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm curious. I, I, wa- I want it to succeed because, like, this game has been rumored for so long. Well, not and... rumored. Like, we knew it existed. They just stopped talking about it. Well, yeah, I mean, like, they would hype like, it up. we saw a trailer it's... for it in 2017. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong about that. It's It's been a game that's been talked about for just such a long time now and it's like is this even real at this point you know or is it just fantasy is, is it caught in a landslide <laughs> we've done a lot of song work today yeah yeah as we should as yeah we should, we should uh, we're a bunch of like musical guys Barnum. we're, just, we're a- just a couple little silly sing-song fellas mm-hmm. we're a thruple we fuck. That, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what that means, right? Yes. Yeah. That is what that means. Like a barbershop quartet. We're a barbershop thruple. We l- oh. we liked your vibe from across the bar. <laughs> Don't we need to go run. <laughs> Sing a song for you. Uh, uh. This thruple wants to sing you a nice special song. Mm-hmm. This thruple is thruple. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> you might not, but I love it. <laughs> the throbbing thruple. <laughs> I don't know about that. We are called the throbbing thruple around these parts. What's the next poll? <laughs> um, the next poll. Should we change our name from Sword Chomp to Throbbing Thruple? <laughs> I don't think that's it. I don't think you could have possibly done that poll because I'm pretty sure I came up with that name. Who could remember? It was a while ago. Mm. Yeah, who remembers that? Um, It's kind of a play on our topic of the week. Which Nintendo game was more influential, Super Mario 64 (coughs) or Pokemon Red and Blue? Which one do you guys think the fans voted more for? (coughs) Mm. I I think they probably voted for Pokemon. Josh? I don't know what the vote was here. I could I could see this going either way. I feel like mm. the the fan base is there for Pokemon, but I think if people stopped and thought about it a little bit longer, they'd probably go for go with, for for Mario. I would have picked Mario. Yeah. Well, good news. Super Mario 64 got 67% of the vote. Okay. Okay. It's a little more divided than I expected if I'm being honest. Yeah, I honestly expected this to be closer. I don't think they're wrong, though. I, yeah, same, same. Why? why? I, well, the, the, the control method, how to control a character in 3D is frankly something that even that gen, so many people had already kind of figured out how to make a 3D controller at that point, mm. that they just went with their thing even after the fact. And there were 
Mario 64 is just the best feeling 3D platformer Despite by having mile. the worst controller. <laughs> yeah, but just despite being on an N64 controller, it just it feels infinitely better than almost anything else going on at the time. And it and was I think, absolutely learned but, from after the fact, but it 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 took a while. It it wasn't until that GameCube PS2 era that it sort of became the standard yeah, like that yeah. locomotion. And I don't think Pokemon is as ubiquitously we, we talked like at length about this uh influential on other games as Pokemon is influential as a brand. Like there are a ton of Pokemon clones, but like the idea of Pokemon like like that game format was an RPG. Like those elements weren't specifically carried in a big way into AAA gaming because it's such a niche thing that, like, anytime yeah. it happens, people are just like, "Oh, it's a Pokemon clone." Well, I honestly, I think this is kind of like, like we mentioned earlier on, this has more to do with the just cultural impact as a whole portion yeah, of it. Yeah, because I feel like there a are a lot of. lot of other games that have took taken that lesson of the brand needs to be bigger than just this one game, sort of, yeah. sort of from Pokemon. Uh, it like we've seen a lot of that. Um, with you know, okay, we want this IP to be bigger than just the one game that we're making. Uh, we're we're gonna do merchandise with. It. We're gonna do all this other stuff, and, and that, it works. That, that, that is absolutely something that Pokemon did infinitely better than Mario did. Um, like, yeah, the Pokemon company had an eye for that stuff, and they knew they had something, and they rolled with it. Yeah, and I I think it's influential on the cultural level whereas from just inside gaming as its own little subset of Mario that, I think Mario is much more influential from the Agreed. how in the fuck do you control a character in a 3D environment they nailed it and it's it's been hugely influential from that point on Agreed mm. Yeah that's fair all, all good points I mean it's 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 like fucking crapshoot to pick between one or the other i think in terms of which one was oh yeah i could i you could there are arguments to be made for both of those that are extremely compelling just depending mm. on, on on what your your personal feelings are on that so yes exactly um so yeah all right well the next poll that we did is um by we, I mean me. Which mm-hmm. Pew Pew game was more influential? Doom or GoldenEye 007? Uh, which Pew Pew game won, guys? Doom. I think it was Doom here. I feel like the, I feel like the audience kind of was picking up a lot of what we were putting down earlier in the episode. I think. Mm. I think. I, I've, Doom had to win this, right? It's Doom. Well, I will tell you guys this. 50 poor... 50 poor? Fifty-four percent of votes went to Doom. Okay, that's closer What's than I expected. I honestly expected the results yeah. to be closer to the last poll's results on this one. Mm. Yeah, because it's obviously Doom. Because <laughs> it's obviously Doom. Goldeneye does not exist without Doom. Therefore, Doom is far more influential. <laughs> This is not a hard thing to deduce. To doom? To do to do to doom is to dooms. Yeah. To dooms. You could argue Goldeneye uh with its like split screen was very influential on 
what on would the become PvP aspect of it. The PvP aspect, yep. yeah. And then you could also make that argument for Quake. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm surprised we haven't mentioned Quake up until this point because Quake is honestly the Doom clone that made that 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 the Doom clone made by the guys who made Doom shooter. Like you know, the vertical access matters I, now. I just think of Doom a, and Quake in the same vein, and that's probably why I never specifically brought up Quake because Quake is just the Doom successor. Doom, but Doom, actually a first-person shooter. It is the Doom clone made by the Doom guys. Yeah, yeah, no, no exactly. Like, Quake Quake is the first-person shooter that's actually a first-person shooter, but it was still a Doom clone at the time because that was just where the... The genre was. The genre was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Quake is absolutely just... It is absolutely a Doom-like. But, you know... There, there's a reason you can still play Quake online now. Um, it's because it, it is. It's it's the it's the full package. It's it's finally actually 3D instead of the fake 3D like Doom was. Um, yeah, and it's just it's it's so much deeper because of that. However, the cultural zeitgeist is absolutely based on Doom. Moving from Correct. that that point on. So, hmm. I like that. I like that. Um, the last poll we did today, a very easy one. How about that season three finale of The Boys? I was curious. Um, fifty-eight percent of people, fifty-eight percent of people said it was magnificent. Forty-two percent of people said haven't checked it out yet. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit about this right now. Rich and I are going to. It's there are gonna be some minor spoilers. Uh. We're not going to talk about the whole thing, just because um, I haven't finished it yet. I'm about halfway through season three. You say it's going to be really tough for us to talk about the finale because you haven't seen it. Right. Here's what I am <laughs> going to talk about. Just like the first half of season three. And um, you actually stopped which, the episode halfway through to record this podcast. It's 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 true. I actually been killing was, him this whole time. I actually was watching the fifth episode right before we started. I started it. I am really loving this season a lot, Rich. And I want to say... Yeah, same here. I really am loving it because it feels a lot more fast-paced than the last few seasons. Like, there was a lot of setup, a lot of build-up, a lot of getting you to know who these characters are. But in season three, I think they do a really good job of kind of showing you who these characters are despite not having seen the having people not having seen the past few seasons um my girlfriend and i sat down and watched it last night and she she watched uh the first half of season three with me she had never seen the show and Mm. she already knew like who homelander is as a person who the deep is as a person who uh all these characters are. well the the beauty of this of this season and where that show has itself now is that and you could argue, and we can talk about this more when you finish season three, that season three, as far as the overarching plot goes, does a lot of spinning its wheels. But that is because there is so much great character work this season. And they're like finding those pairings that work and splitting people up. And you have your mm. Huey and uh, fucking Billy Adventure. You have everybody else kind of running off and do it. Like there, there is just insanely good character work uh, this season from everybody. 
I, I Some of the best that. black noir bits of the show are in the back half of season three. Oh, dope. I like I like some of the history. I like that they do a flashback in this season. That was really cool to yeah. see some of that stuff. Yeah, see a little bit more of that world building. Yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it a lot. Um, I want to say it was really funny to start out... Uh, my girlfriend's viewing of this show with uh, the opening scene of those two guys making out in the bedroom. And the Josh, have you seen season three? I've not watched season three yet. No. Okay. Well, this, okay. So this, sorry, Josh, I'm kind of spoiling this for you, but there, watching it, I don't believe I'm not spoilers. Really. Spoilers are for shows that don't fucking stand on their own. Goddamn two feet. No, what yeah, I'm saying, I'm always with Josh on that. I'm saying like this visual gag. Okay. had the, the, the level of presence it did on me just because I did not expect it. So there's this, there's this guy that um, termite. Uh, some of the boys what? are chasing after at the beginning of the first episode of season three. And this, is this guy that can like shrink and grow to normal size on the blink, at the blink of an eye. I, I love how they went with termite because obviously no one would get the Ant-Man reference unless they called him termite. Right. So they go yeah. with ter- they go with termite at the beginning, and I'm sure you know this, Josh. He's in a room with another guy, and the guy pulls his pants down, pulls his dick out, and termite crawls into his dick, and um, he's like like just like touching the walls of his urethra in there, and then he's trying to stop himself from sneezing, sneezes, goes to normal size, and fucking just eviscerates like disembowels this guy from the inside of his penis outwards. And I was like, what the fuck? I would laugh so hard at that bit. I did not expect it. And my it's, girlfriend's like, what the fuck is this? Masterfully <laughs> executed. Yeah. Uh... yeah. And so she watched the first three episodes with me and she really enjoyed it. And um, she's not the type of person who likes bloody stuff. But I think because of the absurdity of a lot of the blood and guts yeah. in the boys that it's okay. Actually, the part that bo- bothered her the most is um there's a part in episode two where uh Dewey wants his arm broken after figuring out something in the story and um uh Kimiko goes to break his arm and is like one, two, and just breaks his arm and it shows the breaking and she's like, oh my god. So the rest of the night I was like, one, two, ah! I was just like doing that to fuck with her throughout the night. But that and the octopus scene bothered her the most. Mm. Yeah. I don't know why this is reminding me of of Ring Fit. (laughs) What? No, it's reminding me of Ring Fit because you get done every time and and like to start up you do you do uh, like active stretching, just like like you know general range of movement Mm. type stretches, and then you finish and then you're doing static stretching because you've you've already worked out and you you know to work on all the muscles you've you've worked anyway if you do more upper body stuff they'll give you more upper body stretches Mm. point being one of them is just a standard you know stretching across your body yeah arm across your body stretch type uh you know stretch out your 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 rear delts your urethra yeah um anyway my right shoulder pops in and out of socket as a matter of course, that's just the way my body works. Mm. Uh, I've, I've got weird joint issues genetically. 
my jaw constantly pops. That's that's another thing that my great aunt, my mom, and I all have because, yay, fucking inbred, you know, Norwegian genetics. Um, anyway, but that Damn. one particular stretch, I get fairly regularly, and if I do it the way they tell me to. I just fucking pop my shoulder out of socket. Like that's just that's just how that particular stretch is, stretch works at the end of the, all those things. And uh, yeah, I, like I've been following their fucking directions for this entire workout the entire time, and then I get to the stretch, and I'm like, oh no no no, I I can't do that. I, I'll have to yeah. I'll, I'll have to do my own stretch in order to stretch that m- particular muscle without actually dislocating my shoulder the way they're telling yeah. me to do. Um. Anyway, it just reminded me of that because I've been I've been experiencing that an awful lot for the last month because I've been doing a lot of ring fit and that particular mm. stretch just fucks my shoulder up every time I get to it because I'll, I'll forget and just like, oh, no, I can do that. I, I, it looks easy enough. All you're doing is moving your arm across your body. I'm like, nope, that's going to dislocate your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely not wanting to keep doing that. Yeah. Definitely bad. You're going to do some uh, degenerative or exacerbate some degenerative issues in those tissues for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I like, I finished the episode last night, rich of, uh, season three, where I think I told you about this before the show, where basically they finally go to the Russian compound. They finally find out that, uh, again, spoilers that uh soldier boy is, um, alive, alive. Motherfucker never got braid. And uh, yeah, that's <laughs> perfect reference. My favorite part of indie movie the game yeah. is when Jonathan Blow gets upset that Soldier Boy didn't enjoy Braid correctly. Yeah, but no, um, he's alive, and I like I like a lot of the small twists because a lot of twists happen in like five to ten minutes. That oh, they're not even over yet. That bu- has that butcher has again you. taken the V compound, but so has uh, uh, Huey. He's also taken the the V compound and he is very like they both seem drunk by their own ambitions after having used the V compound which makes you wonder if um that has any effect on obviously a lot of the other superheroes that you're seeing um also that again soldier boy is alive but soldier boy's power is uh to crank that no i'm just kidding Superman, that hoe, one of you. Yeah, that's, that was a reference. No, uh, yeah, the Soldier Boy, video game maker. Presumably, after episode four, is to delete um, other Superboy's super superheroes' effects because uh, he shoots a blast uh, meant to hit Frenchie. Kimiko steps in front of it and she can no longer heal. So mm. yeah, there there's some interesting stuff with that. It's also interesting. Glad they're taking to see. some cues from My Hero Academia. Naturally, uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's also interesting to see them get to this point because obviously the show at this point and from the outset uh, had diverged a lot from the comic from back in the day, and the idea of the boys juicing on Compound V uh, was very much a thing that was present from the get in the comic, like up to the point that they are juicing the dog with Compound V. Yeah, the, the, uh, that's that's the cool implication there because obviously they have um, it's Henry, right? The hamster, or the hamster. Is that I name? don't remember. Oh, that's only relevant for that scene and never again. Well, it's it's actually apparently that's originally in the comics. 
Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, that's in the comics, but the implication for that, I read about it last night. That's the only reason why I know. Uh, the implication for that is that exactly what you're saying. Butcher could give a V to his dog because that yeah. also happens in the comics. Yeah, I don't think they're going to end up going in that direction. giving V to their dog. Because uh, they they give the V to the dog and it it does some stuff to A-Train in the, in the original comic that I don't think we'll ever see depicted on screen. Dude, I would love um, that. I would love to see that. But, uh, yeah, the also, like, obviously there's a little bit of a different rules. They're just straight juicing V in the comic. Uh, V24 is obviously, like, a little bit of a different beast. And I kind of like the way they're going for it because there's a little bit more of a gradual buildup. Uh, but it's got some good payoff as the, the season continues, and I'll be interested to talk more about that with you when you finish it up. Cool. Maybe we'll have to do a cat on that. I would enjoy that. Okay. Josh, you get you should get caught up too. We could do yeah, that after I need to I get, get caught up from on Montana. That. Yeah, I've been. There's been a ton of ton of stuff coming out right now. This this the well, I guess it's not current currently because the the spring season just ended of anime. But there's there's been a ton of good stuff this season. So I've been I've been mostly anime. keeping up on that. Um, speaking of which, if you if you're not caught up on all that, um, there's a few things I still need to catch up on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kaguya Sama is great I definitely definitely watch Love is War if you've not caught up on that all three seasons so far are great and it seems like they're actually doing a good job of you know transitioning that from manga to the comic Mm. excellent definitely watch that one of the best rom-coms if not animes period um this season yeah really really good i i don't know if you guys have seen it yet the new episode of better call saul was phenomenal holy shit i am about a season behind on better call saul dude you really gotta get caught up like i'm not gonna pay for amc it's on oh shit it's on netflix here in japan so that's not not the not the currency stuff yeah I stopped paying okay. for Netflix because, oh, frankly, their Netflix. business model is a travesty currently. So my plan is to, uh, this fall, pay for a month and watch, you know, Umbrella Academy and Sandman and uh, then stop again. Stranger Things? Yeah. My wife we'll will probably talk- catch up on it, but I don't really give a shit about Stranger Things at this point. That's, mm, I like season four a lot. It might be, but after season three, I have a hard time caring. So, maybe. Maybe I'll watch okay. it anyway and see if it pulls up out of that nosedive that was season three. It season does. four is far stronger than season three. Okay, okay. Maybe maybe, maybe I'll catch back up on that then. If but. I mean, if you're at all interested, you can listen to the uh, Chomping After Dark that Rich and I did. Ooh, that. ooh. Where, where might I find that episode? <laughs> you might find it on swordchomp.com that's right uh actually and wherever you get podcasts we are on the back end of the show so uh we're pretty much done so i can do the whole spiel right now um if you head over to swordchomp.com we have three other podcasts we have um chomping after dark where we do some spoiler heavy and deep dives on stories of mainly video games but we also touch up on tv shows movies and the occasional comic book uh the most recent episode we did was volume one of stranger things 
and we have volume two already available for the patrons and um, it's been available for about a week now and it will be available for everybody in about 12 days so you can check that out there um, we also have rich's podcast chomping at the bits which the newest episode is going to be recorded here shortly It'll be yeah, out before the month is out, probably within the next week or two, and we are talking about uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2. Ooh. I'm jealous I'm going to miss that. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Scheduling could not work out in a way that you could tell us about the blue blur. Blue blur. Blue blur. Blue, 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 blue. Uh, Red blur. Blue blur. Red blur. This blue, is mostly going to be a podcast about Tom Kalinske. Yes. Um, we also have Evoking the Sublime. Uh, it's where I interview game devs you could check that out we also have an article section at the site where we write uh reviews think pieces and the occasional guide i just wrote a recent article about the cuphead the delicious last course dlc it's up there if you are have not checked that dlc out yet and you are still interested in it um i give a full breakdown on that we also have a merchandise store at store.storeshop.com where you can check out all the cool things that you can buy, rep us out in the wild, and we would greatly appreciate it. And last but not least, uh, if you want to support us further, as we are completely and 100% listener-funded, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash I know everybody and their mother has one. It really allows us to make um, all the additional content that we love making for you to listen to and um, helps us out tremendously. So, uh, Me and money needing a lot now. <laughs> So if you want to check that out, uh, we would be forever grateful. So, um, But that's going to just about do it. Like I said, just as another quick reminder, I will be absent the next two weeks, so you will be hearing a different voice, uh, and that is perfectly okay. Or maybe you won't be, because maybe you check out Rich's show regularly. Um, but if you No, don't, I'm going to be doing a voice. You're going to be doing my annoying voice? No. Yeah. Well, a yeah. voice. Interpret it however you want. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll talk like this. Like, we mm. don't know. Mm-hmm. That sounds just like mm-hmm. me. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Now is now, and who knows when later it will be. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, we're going to get out of here. I want to say, first and foremost, thank you to you, the listener, for checking us out. Thank you to Josh and Rich um, Thanks, for man. being here, having some talks with me, making some jokes, talking some video games. Yeah. Um, Pulling their weight this week, as all I did was play Zombies Ate My Neighbors again on repeat this week. So uh, they're pulling their weight. I was not in terms of playing video games. But um, we'll be back. Well, they will be back next week. I will not be back next week for another episode of the Chompcast. She's going to be busy in the Great White North. Canada? Is that because the demographic is 96% white? (laughs) I mean, that too. (laughs) <laughs> very homogenous there in montana but, uh, we will see you next week take care <laughs>